you know, you were asking about like dangerous, like dangerous falls, mm-hmm. dangerous throws. Um, probably the most dangerous throw might not be the one you think it is. Cause like hip throws, hip throws are fine. I mean, you can control somebody's descent. They're going to land on their side. They're probably not going to land on their back. They're most likely not going to hit their head. Even if they don't know how to fall at all, I mean, they're just going to kind of land on their side, maybe their shoulder, you know, whatever. But it's it's really not going to be so bad. Um, if you throw somebody with like an Osota Gary, you throw them straight back where they fall straight backwards, um, they're going to hit the back of their head and they're going to die. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. Fresh off the heels of the Olympics, it felt right to get a hold of a mouthy, honest judoka and talk shop. So this booze with a black belt episode is our first judo black belt, Alex Avietikin. I think I said that right. And it's the first episode fueled by rum, not whiskey. Alex is also a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and an instructor at Alliance BJJ in Edina, Minnesota. Without further ado, my conversation with Alex Avietikin. You did the voice for a computer-generated ape. Yeah, I, well, fantastic. I designed the commercial and everything. Oh, and, okay. And I designed cool. the character. I actually designed the, the gorilla, too. Nice. And he was from the logo, and it was, Hey, pal, get on down to crankyape.com. It's the only place you ever need. And, you know, he had a little bit of a, a Brooklyn thing going. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to request that you do it in that voice for the rest of this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I made sound sound manly. Alex Avedikian. I wanted I wanted to give you a shot at it. Yeah. The Avedikian. Avedikian. That's so much more stylish than what I said. Yeah, which is uh, Armenian names and an I A N. Like that's a rule almost. Uh, pretty much. Sometimes there's Y A Ns, which I think is a like like a Turkish pronunciation or a Turkish spelling, but sure. Um, it means son of, like the yeah the ski and, Johnson. And, Sure. And ski, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, Avedikian. Avedikian. More and more of these episodes are just starting with a name lesson. I deliberately get it wrong. That's kind of my role on this podcast. Is, Except for, for Jay Clark. Well, yeah. It was easy. <laughs> you know, it's simple, simple. What was the last one I got? I got it wrong, too. Oh, I said Golv instead of Golv. Mm. Marcus probably... I deliberately say his one wrong. Better. Marcus, better. Well, he is better than me. Yeah, so. definitely. That actually just, just makes more sense. Better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You do some judo? You know, there's been this vicious rumor. <laughs> been accused on occasion? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't. I know so little about judo, and I'm going to ask you to rant. Or tell you to say whatever you want to say about judo relative to the IOC and the Olympics. Oh. But first, I want to hear two things, and those can take as long as you want them to take. Basics of judo. Like, if you explain it to a moron that doesn't know anything about it, here's your opportunity. And I want to hear, like, your story through it, your background with judo. Okay. Well, I'm going to use my, um, my standard instructor's spiel talking to a parent who has just brought a child in yeah and um, perfect and i had this like huge uh, moment where of clarity where i realized and it was after i stopped teaching regularly um and having my own school um i realized that when i would demonstrate judo or and i would explain judo i would usually grab my you know my my uki who's usually the person that you beat beat up 
and the receiver of the throws and I would show a couple of throws and I was always a little disappointed with the reaction I would get because it was never what I expected. I thought people would be like, oh man, this is so super cool. But they would universally be appalled because people <laughs> did not imagine themselves throwing. They only imagined themselves falling. So it was not cool. It was not cool to watch. They'd be like, oh, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Plus you're slapping the mat and you know, it, if you have a spring loaded floor and everything like that, it's just like the world is coming to an end and they're like, right. what are we, why are we here? Because well, the movie version of what they just saw, not that there's strictly a movie version of it, but it, like if you're watching something you've never seen before and you're seeing it as a fight scene, right? The camera zooms in on the guy that just got splattered mm-hmm. to bits. Right. So they're honed in on that's where the noise was, that's where the action was. Oh my God, that person got splashed. Well, as my friend Josh says, is uh, don't go near Alex, he'll hit you with the earth. <laughs> that is what it is. Your your weapon is the earth, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's you can fly through the air all you want. It it's doesn't hurt the planet. <laughs> but um, so people uh, they'd come in with their kids and what is it? What is judo? And I found interestingly enough, I was always explaining judo like I was explaining myself because being Armenian, I, it was always the same thing. So well, what are you? Well, I'm Armenian. Iranian? No, they rhyme. <laughs> and then I have to kind of explain what it is. And, and there's no really easy way to explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, then you, you know, start talking about, you know, genocides and things like that. And mm-hmm. people just look at you mm-hmm. like, what, what, you know, what's wrong with you? And with judo, um, oh, I do judo. Karate. Yeah, judo chop. Right. Yeah, but awesome you'd powers. say judo yeah. and then they would like correct you like yeah. you were wrong. You mean karate. Oh, like karate, yeah. No, judo. Okay, well, what, well, hiya. You know, mm-hmm. And then judo chop eventually, yeah, which yeah. which really kind of set us back, you know, <laughs> quite quite a ways. The only um, reference to the word judo anybody knew in the late '90s was judo chop. Judo chop from Mike Myers. Yeah, movie. and that was and we all let out like a groan at the same time. Right, right. Um, but judo is throws with the hands, hips, and feet, and groundwork similar to wrestling and that's like the easiest way to explain it to somebody um so that they have some reference about what you're talking about and and if they if they want to talk more about the wrestling part i'll just go you know it's similar to wrestling with holds pins um but there's submissions and then you you probably don't want to talk about like chokes and things like that you're trying to get somebody to sign up if they're already picturing punching boards and you start talking about choking people out, and now they're getting farther away, right? Well, my judo school went out of business, so I, I, I didn't learn that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was right down the street here in Chaska. Oh, yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, Chaska wasn't ready for it. This was, uh, this was quite a few years ago. I think this was like 2007. And um, my wife taught uh, yoga, Pilates, and belly dancing, and I taught judo. And if it wasn't for the yoga, Pilates, and belly dancing... Uh, it have been done sooner. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, it was kind of accident, kind of on purpose. Um, I was laid off and I was offered a job in Florida and I, I lived in Florida for 17 years. And, uh, so it just seemed like the time to close sure. it down. Right, right. Um, and I, and I'm not in like any hurry to do it again. Sure. Sure. I well, like what I'm doing now. Judo seems, uh, judo exclusively seems close to impossible even still, at least around here. There's a couple places, you know, but they kind of brand themselves bigger than that and have other things. Like Midway Judo Club mm-hmm. in St. Paul, is that still around? Oh, yeah, yeah. Midway's been around for a long time. Right. And they're like um, well-entrenched and still doing their thing. 
but they're not exactly popping up judo schools, I guess, judo exclusive, right? No, I also think that they, they don't have, um, I think they own their school. Um, I don't know all the intricacies of it, sure, but, sure, sure. but I think at, you know, at one point in time, I think it was uh, Rene Capo, um, who was a, uh, a judo, I, I think he was, he was an Olympian. I'm pretty sure he was an Olympian. I'm, having, I'm brain farting about that. Mm-hmm. He, he died a number of years ago of cancer. He was a, he was a great guy. But um, he was a really good uh, a supporter of judo uh, locally, and and I know yeah. he had a lot to do with with Midway and you know helping them set over there. They have the weirdest mats, though. I mean, I haven't been over there in years, but they have like gymnastic carpet mats. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I gymnastics I, carpet. So mats. they're they're like the like the mats you would find in a gymnastics school. Uh huh. Um, but they they have a carpet top to them. Interesting. So it's just like I mean I don't know if you stop burning. Your, the tops of your feet i mean if you get used to it or i don't know but i know there's a few times that that i've gone over there you know in the last 20 whatever years i've been, right. probably been over there five times it's a unique piece of the experiences yeah hmm. yeah I have, later on when we've had more beer I'll ask, me, <laughs> ask me my midway story okay <laughs> and i'll send it back to you tell you if you want to cut it out yeah there you go all right so keep going uh all right, so start at the beginning. Yeah. When, um, when did you first throw a human being? Uh, I, I didn't. I, I first punched a human being because I started, my, my martial arts started in karate. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean so, judo? I'm just kidding. Me, yeah. Flipping the... It hadn't, it hadn't transposed yet. No, it was um, Okinawan Shonru Karate, a Red Dragon Karate, they called it. And it was next to an auto shop in Fort Myers, Florida. And it was 1982. I was mm-hmm. 12 years old. And uh, I can't remember if it was my idea or not, or if it was my mom's idea to go do this, try this thing. It's a cooler story if it's mom's idea. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't remember, but it doesn't really matter. So mm-hmm. um, I really liked it. I, I I was having a lot of fun. Um, it wasn't a huge class, and my uh, my sensei was a guy named Vic Ortino, and uh, his brother Paul was also a karate instructor, and I think he was living in Hawaii, and. Um, his brother said, you know, come to Hawaii. So he decided that he was going to do that, and the class closed. Um, so he moved away. Incidentally, he moved back to Fort Myers, and he started teaching again, like, in the last year. And so, I mean, he had a, a really long hiatus. Um, and I told him, yeah, I'll come back and get my, my black belt in that. Um, but uh, so it closed down, and I guess we were looking for a recommendation of how to continue. I think I was a yellow belt. And he said, well, you know, I can't really recommend any judo or karate schools around here, but um, what about judo? And I was like, Jua, Jua? Uh, knew I knew nothing about mm-hmm. judo and didn't mm-hmm. know what judo was. And he took me to this, uh, this school. And the instructor, uh, Don Rosenthal, was the instructor. And this was, in, this was in Cape Coral, Florida, at the YMCA in Cape Coral. And I walked in and I said, eh, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And so I was 13 and uh, I just... You know, three times a week or about three hours a night. That's that was judo at the YMCA for thirty dollars a month, and uh, you know, all through high school, I tried a couple other things in high school. I tried to play football. I hated it. I'm completely not athletically gifted. I think that the only sport that I've ever been, you know, quote unquote, good at uh, was judo because I can I can think my way out of it. I don't, you know. And I had this discussion with Pat Worley uh, a while back about karate. And, uh, and he did agree with me. I, I kind of said, I kind of have this theory, Pat, tell me if I'm wrong. You can be really good at jujitsu 
without being athletically gifted, but you can only get so far in like karate without being athletically gifted. He's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, he agreed with that. So I don't think I would have ever been great at karate. I'm not saying I'm great at, at judo or jujitsu, but I, I don't think I would ever been super great at it because I was not athletic. And also my body style is much more conducive uh, to judo, my low center of gravity. You know, I'm only about five, six, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I was 176. Now I'm walking around around 190, but I mean, I'd love to get back there, but that's, I mean, I'd, I'd you're probably fully grow developed. hair first. Yeah. You're a fully <laughs> developed human being now. You don't, you don't get to go back because it wasn't real. Exactly. And, um, so I don't know if, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about like philosophies mm-hmm. and ideologies mm-hmm. and how that, how that crept in. I think that, um, I'm not sure exactly what kept me in at the time. I, I was, it was my friend's group. Um, so I, I mean that, that was my social connection, I think. Sure. Um, it certainly wasn't like at that point when I was in high school, maybe, early high school or late grade school, there were fist fights and things like that. But I think that kind of had, had narrowed off. That wasn't quite as, as common. So, um, I don't think I was getting into much trouble in that regard. Uh, but I'm not really sure why, why I kept going. And I'm sure there, there were times that, that I wanted to quit. And then well, if it's part of the social glue. I mean, that's just gigantic for a lot of people, particularly formative years and stuff, you know, so if you had, you know, a handful of friends there, that'll be a stronger pull than most of us realize, right? I think that, that there was, so there was an event. So in 1983, I was 13 years old. I was probably 83, 84. I was 13, 14. I think I was an orange belt. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point in time, it was just this kind of fun thing that I did. And, you know, it was fun to tell people about it. And they just kind of assumed you were dangerous. So it made me look cool. And so it was probably that, you know, it was, I enjoyed the workout. Um, I had my friends, but it wasn't, I think that if it stopped at that point, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. It was just, you know, it was kind of this fun thing that I did that I was semi-serious about. Sure. And then, um, in the summer of 84, uh, my brother was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, the martial arts became my lifeline. And uh, it hasn't changed since. So um, now it's just, it's just kind of, you know, therapy or, I mean, however you want to uh, talk about it or however you want to describe it, but it's just a part of my life. And, and during COVID, I mean, it was, it was hard not being able to train. I mean, because uh, whether it's a coping mechanism, because it's not a cure, but it's probably certainly a coping mechanism. And, and then when sure. it wasn't there anymore, you know, it's like, what do you do? It's an outlet for anxiety and energy and angst and outlet for some fuck it moments all you know yeah. all, all of those things um and then so uh i went to college and there was probably a, you know there was a short time oh here this i kind of throw this in here uh when i got my black belt uh, i was 19 years old when i got my black belt and uh it was the greatest day man it was the greatest day of my life and then the next day was the worst because I had this whole kind of destination thing, right? It was like, oh yeah, what, why do you do the martial arts? Well, to become a black belt. Um, so am I done now? <laughs> you know, um, I just didn't, the next day I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I, I just didn't have that journey destination thing. I mean, I was, I was 19 years old 
And it was just, I just didn't know where to go with it. It was just like, well, are, are you still supposed to do stuff? I mean, at this point, <laughs> yeah. you, you know. Can uh, I show up today? Yeah. Is it like the end of the game? <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, and uh, and it wasn't even until years later where, where I kind of understood the, the journey destination thing. And that was uh, when I went on my honeymoon in 1998. I went to Maui and everybody's like, you got to, have you ever been to Maui? No. Okay. So everybody goes, well, you got to take the road to Hana. And I'm like, oh yeah, Hana, man, that sounds cool. Except that's not what they're saying. They're not saying go to Hana. They're saying take the road to Hana. Hana is nothing. Hana is a gas station across the street from uh, a field of cows. And here I am just like, uh, you know, you, you, I think Hana, it takes you three hours to go 30 miles. I mean, you're, you're weaving through, you know, the Mm -hmm. mountains adjacent to the ocean and, and there's the hanging gardens with the 400 foot waterfalls and all this stuff. And my wife's like, oh, we got to stop here. And I'm like, no, no, we can't stop. We got to get to Hana. I mean, Hana's the greatest place in the world. You know, we got to get to Hana and I'm not stopping. I'm trying to make time. And then I get to Hana and I'm like, holy shit. You know, it's nothing. And I think at that yeah. point, I finally realized, you know, the whole journey destination thing. And and now it made everything so much easier. It made everything so much funner. Um, competition. Yeah. Competition was never that much fun because mm-hmm. it just, it seemed like a chore when I was doing judo. It seemed like, you know, this proofy thing that you have to do. I didn't enjoy anything about it. Now, now I love it. Yeah. I just, I absolutely love it. So it was, you heard the road to Hana. But you should have heard the road to Hana. Exactly. Yeah. Pause for editing purposes to put that at the front of the damned episode. Oh, oh nice. You're, you're already <laughs> maybe maybe. That. Um, you didn't like competing in jujitsu. I'm sorry, judo. In judo, um, I think I never got the chance to enjoy it because I was so much in my own way. Um, I think I, you know. I was just so concerned about, I think, probably how people perceived me um, or, you know, if people would think that I was good or if I didn't do well, people wouldn't think I was good or um, just, I guess, all those things that probably anybody who competes has has dealt with. You know, nobody likes losing. Um, nobody certainly likes, not in front of a crowd. No, certainly not in front of a crowd mm-hmm. and certainly not in front of their friends or, or you know, uh, you know, my father was a a military authoritarian. So I really didn't want to have to deal with, you know, losing in front of him. So yeah. that wasn't, that wouldn't have been a, a real fun thing to do. Right. You know, what my father said to me after my first, uh, actually it was a, it wasn't even a judo tournament. My first competition was a, a karate tournament where it was a kata demonstration. Mm-hmm. And, um, I won, I won second place. And as we're walking out into the, the parking lot, my dad goes, if I was your age, I'd be able to take you. <laughs> And uh, which is kind of funny because it wasn't even that kind of competition. I mean, it was a kata competition. It right. was all prearranged kind yeah, of. Yeah, it was dance. Know. Yeah, it was dance. Like it's, yeah, right, it was, exactly. It's a choreographed deal. It was, it was Based different. on that, I could kick your ass if I was your age. It was pretty much the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because I was the only one dancing. <laughs> well, yeah, and well, I was I was already drawing it back. Like, and so you didn't like uh, competing later on in life, huh? No, <laughs> no wonder. Yeah, ex- right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> hmm. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Dad. It just it just turned into a, uh, a psychiatric session. Yeah. <laughs> I have to up my rate. So, tell, uh, can I lay down? Um, sure. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, not to skip ahead, but but now I, I really do. I love everything about it. And, and that's probably, I think, the most important part. About is, competition. Yeah, is to yeah. love everything about it. And when I say yeah. everything about it, I mean being able to be present during the entire time. And I think that was the other problem with it. Um, I was defining every aspect of it by the two, five minutes that you're out on the mat. Like I wasn't enjoying the travel. I wasn't enjoying the camaraderie. I wasn't enjoying going out to eat. I wasn't enjoying all of those things that should be part of that, you know, destination. It was all about the journey of, you know, getting the gold medal. And it was defined by that, whether it was a success or a failure, not that you had a great time with your friends or that you saw something you've never seen before or that you added some adventures or some stories or yeah. any of that stuff. Not even what happened in the match. Like how did I ply my trade? No, not, not at all. It was the outcome. And, and now, you know, especially because it, it can be really self-defeating uh, to have that kind of attitude uh, because people who don't compete don't understand that, you know, when they ask you at the end of a competition, oh, you, yeah, how did it go this weekend? And you're going to say, well, I got a gold medal or I got a silver medal or I got a bronze medal or I got no medals. So if you say gold, they're going to be like, oh, you did really, really well. And you beat everybody. And if you say silver, you know, or bronze. But anybody who's competed can tell you that there are bronze medals that mean a hell of a lot more than some gold medals. You right. know, you go and get a gold medal. There's one person in your division. You had one fight. You won by advantage. Meh. Or you go to Masters World. You know, you have four fights. Um, they're all wars. You get a bronze medal. Yeah, you beat somebody you maybe shouldn't have. It just was your, your day that day. That yeah, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Right. Um, and, uh, and that, but you can't explain that. And if you, and if you start explaining it, you're going to sound, you know, like an idiot. Well, you're making excuses right, or you're exactly. trying to soften the thing, but the, it, the nuance is the thing. I got a bronze, but I, you don't understand. I mean, yeah. I really worked hard for right. it. <laughs> I lost to the guy that beat everyone. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a classic. Yeah, yeah. Well, the guy, the guy that beat me, he went on to win the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Which, hell Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it starts with but. And that, you know, in the whole competition thing, too, I, I people who are starting out, they always say, you know, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, oh, you know, go see if you like it. And, and hopefully they'll, you know, they're maybe in a more mature place than I was. And it seems like everybody young that's come in is is a much better place than I was. I'm just like, wow, they're just making them so much better now. People. <laughs> Or they hide it better. Okay. Well, <laughs> they're so much stronger and, yeah, and they have so much hair. Um, but uh, I think that if you, if you go in, you know, trying to, trying to have a good time and just kind of be present in the moment, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be something that you enjoy more. And there's, you know, there are people who are, are good at tournaments. You know, there's, plenty of guys like i i think i i do okay in tournaments um and i do better at tournaments than some people who are much better at jujitsu than i am mm -hmm. um and i think that that segues pretty good to to the whole judo thing too um because you know now it's not being good at judo it's being good at giving the ref what he wants and being really good at pretending that you can do judo you know, for show. Right. Um, exhibition judo. Exhibition judo. You know, what they want. And, and half of the judo that you're probably good at, you can't do anyway because um, you're not going to do something that you're going to, 
not get a score for because they don't score it anymore, like throwing right. somebody on their butt because then you're just, they don't have cocas anymore, which was the lowest point um, that they had if somebody just landed on their butt. Right. Um, give, me, give me the rundown on that. So either like how the scoring used to be versus how it is or vice versa or something like that. I'll, I'll do my best, but yeah. like, I don't even know. Then lie to me because I don't know anything. Well, no, but so. I don't. I don't keep track of like how it is. Like I could tell you how it used to be. For sure, no, give, give me that. Okay, yeah. I mean I, I can tell you how it that. used to be. So yeah. it used to be, um, and this part is the same. So an ippon is is a full point, and mm-hmm. you know they raise their arm straight above their head, and right. it used to be, and it, well, actually it still is that if you throw somebody on their back, um, and I know the definition maybe has changed a little bit, and I think that depending on the tournament, sometimes referees can. You know, not not have one of the three elements of an ippon, which is force, speed, and control. Um, they and landing largely on their back. So I need to throw you. I need to have you land on your back with force, speed, and control. Force, speed, and, and control. I've seen slow ippons that, in my opinion, would not be an ippon because they didn't have the speed. Um, but you know, they landed on their back, and some of that can be a little bit subjective. Like, and if you watched um, the Olympics. Uh, in the referee's opinion, if he feels that you are not making quote unquote progress, um, within five seconds, he'll stand you up. But depending on the ref, um, it was a uh, two second, five seconds or a 12 second, five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so like the 10 count. That felt like a yeah. 13 count. Yeah, it was there yeah. was not there was not consistency sure. in that. And I mean, I could tell you um, I was looking for refs so that I'd watch the match because if it was a. And, and it was really cool and, and really frustrating because um, I was seeing, like, the beginnings of jujitsu. Like, I'd see people go down and, and you know, and they'd, they'd have the beginnings of, of a sweep or de la Hiva or things like that. And I'm like, oh, wow, oh, this is going to get good. And, and then Mate, and they'd stand it back up. And I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> Mate is, you're taking too long. We're going to start. Mate is stop. Judo. Okay, okay. Yeah, Mate is just stop. And... Uh, Stop like end of match or stop reset? Let's uh, No, uh, end of match would be uh, Sorama Day. Um, so Mate is just stop. Okay. And they usually hand out, you know, like what was yeah. the supreme stop in the name of love? That, hand, that's hand exactly, out, exactly what I thought of. Yeah. Um, and then they they stand you back up and, and away you go. Uh, or, you know, people go into to turtle and somebody tries to do a little bit something and uh, it goes for two seconds and then they stop them. So they don't get a chance. Um, and like I, before I started uh, jujitsu, um, I thought I was okay on the ground. Like I thought I was pretty good. My nawaza, which is which is ground, ground yeah. I thought my nawaza was was pretty good. Um, and then I started doing jujitsu, and I was like, oh my god, it sucks. And and then I went to a, a judo class down in Florida, and um, you know I was just having my way with everybody on the ground, and I was just like, wow. Um, and this sucks because you look at jujitsu people and their standing sophistication and you look at modern judo people and a lot of their ground sophistication and it's two sides of the same coin and it should be, you know, it should be both. And that was the way it was with judo. Like my judo, when I was growing up, we spent as much time on the ground as we did standing. Right. The whole point was to get the guy to the ground. It was it was 50-50. It yeah. wasn't 60-40 or 70-30. Mm-hmm. And now right. it's like 90-10. Um, but there was there was equal parts. It was and I think that's the way that 
uh, Kano had designed it. He he also had throws like Marote Gary and and Kabisu Gaeshi, which is heel trips and double legs and uh, fireman's carry Kataguruma. Um, and Kataguruma, now he he was a student of Greco-Roman wrestling, so I mean he he never made a secret about the fact that he was inspired. Right. Uh, Kataguruma was inspired um, by wrestling, uh, and there was an old story. And I think it's in his book *Mind Over Muscle*, which is a—it's a little read. It's a little tiny book, but it's a great—it's a great book. And he talks about—and he was also not an, uh, an athlete. He was not a gifted athlete. And he talks about a guy that would always hand his ass to him, and he finally got the better of the guy with Kataguruma. And so I think it's probably safe to say that Kataguruma was was a throw that he had some affection for, and it's now illegal. So what does that tell you? That the founder of judo's favorite throw is now illegal. And I think that the genesis, I, a lot of people probably have opinions about the genesis of the rule change, which I think um, was 2010, 2013. I think it started, the leg, no leg grabbing started in 2010, and then they solidified it in 2013. That's that recent, huh? Um, yeah. I, I, you jump into a thing and everything is as it has been to some extent, at least in my brain. If, you know, if I started wrestling today, I would assume this is what wrestling's been for 100 years. So it's sort of shocking to hear that, like, just ten years ago they were changing key rules. You know. Well, when I, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as Pringles. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible childhood. <laughs> a world, a world without Pringles. Yeah. Um, I remember when they came out. Mm-hmm. My mother wouldn't let me eat them. Those are that's that's not real potato chip. You can't eat that. That's why I want it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Less mess, right? Yeah. You know, wiping the pants. Uh, so I'm sorry. The genesis of the rule changes. Why they take wrestling stuff out and leg grabby stuff? Um, I, I'm guessing some of this is going to be my opinion. I think that it's that it's probably based in in some fact. Uh, so the, so Russians were known for you know they they're pickup artists for sure. So they they would do a lot of the pickups, and um, there was this one Mongolian guy who who uh, just really was frustrating a lot of the Japanese. And I mean, long story short. Uh, if you're if you're not being successful, just change the rules. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate because uh, it did not allow nature to take its course. You know, they would have gotten better. People would have done it. They would have learned how to defend against it. Um, people would. I mean, it just let things evolve, and they yeah. would have evolved. Um, These people are dragging the game up. Right. Ca- catch up. Yeah, and for them to say, well, you know, we're trying to purify or we're trying to make it faster or we're trying to add more throws. Well, but the, but you're not because um, why would people, people were not attempting more throws because I'm afraid I'm not going to get a full point for it, so I'm not going to execute it. I'm not looking for these incremental points and I'm not going to get anything that might get me in, you know, trouble with something else, maybe groundwork, might get me in some groundwork trouble. Um that I don't have a really great ground game, so I really don't want to go down there. Um, then you get this diluted thing. I mean, it was it was so hard to watch. The other thing is Golden Score. So Golden Score, I think. Say that again. Golden Score. Mm. Yeah, not not Golden Shower. Mm-hmm. Of course, that probably even more entertaining to watch. Um, so a Golden Score, and I think that it was two thousand. Yeah, it might have been two thousand three that they started Golden Score. Oh, and by the way, there was like only white geese too. Like when, when I started, there wasn't even a white gee. It was actually a, a, a tan gee because there was no such thing as a bleach gee. And then they came out with bleach geese and everybody was like, oh, yeah, man, cool, bleach gee. And then they're blue geese and they're, oh, my God, it's blue gee. Holy shit. 
Now we have fashion. And now, yeah. now I'm a total geek. Now it's like NASCAR. Oh god, I have not, so, maybe less in judo than it is a lot of the jujitsu. I have so many geese, and I'm patches not. And, not, I'm not even close. Like I probably have maybe twenty five geese, mm. and of the people I know, uh, I'm not even close. Like to the number of geese? Oh yeah. Are you serious? Oh yeah. I yeah, like, I have like three. Uh, and I, I never want to pay money for another one. I think Timmy Blackstone has sixty something. Oh my god. Yeah, Gilberto, he's got he's got quite a few. <laughs> a lot of them are still in packages. Well, that's one thing. Keeping her handy, one's gonna rip, whatever. Yeah, either way, that's too much. Well, and and a lot of them are. I mean, some of those show your rolls are worth some real money too. Oh really? I mean, it's yeah, it's gone. It's I don't. I think the market. Is there a collector market for geese? Uh, well, they're, they're, yes. Not, I don't think they're as much now than maybe six years ago. Six years ago, it was rabid. It was ridiculous. Hmm. You know, people were paying you know a thousand dollars for, you know, well, the number that's... seventeen show your roll or. Oh my god. Yeah, I think that that's kind of softened up a little bit. That's a I, weird human tendency to like overvalue everything and make it collectible. And now, and, if you and, want to show your role, just you know, just wait till somebody quits and just keep an eye on eBay. That's how I got mine for a hundred bucks. So tomorrow, or later this afternoon. Did you ever see the meme with the the big giant box of blue belts, and no. underneath it says, "I just got a brand new box of quit." <laughs> hey, I haven't quit yet. No, you're not going to quit. I'm, I'm probably no. You're a lifer. No. I think I'm going to give it up. Like I said, on the like, second to last episode, my fingers hurt. Might be time to give this shit up. Well, your back's going to hurt because you just pulled gardening duty. What the hell's that mean? Happy Gilmore reference. Oh, right. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. I was all locked in with <laughs> Kono and Jap- Japan. And <laughs> you, you know, the I'm really embarrassed little... by missing that reference. I know. Yeah, I, I, I really thought you would just track on that immediately, too. I was, I was just super dialed into. Japanese martial arts history. Anyway. Yeah, well, I have to add levity or I'll start to cry. Yeah, that's pretty much the business I'm into. Um, so, and I think the timing actually worked out pretty good for me personally because I, was, I wasn't doing as much judo because I'd already, I'd already torn two ACLs on my way to three. I think I tore my first ACL at, at 33. And then I uh, tore my, so I tore my right one first, tore my left one second, retore my right one. I think I have an MCL between both knees, maybe one whole one, barely. Uh, torn rotator cuff, third degree AC sap, um, L4, L5, herniation surgery. Uh, it's from gardening dirty. What'd I miss? Well, I know how many like joints, major joints that are in the body. Yeah, so the, all of those. With that in mind, yeah, it's probably not too bad. But yeah, judo is judo is definitely harder on the body. Um, and it's funny because I tore my ACL. I didn't tore any of my ACLs. People, you know, did it for me. <laughs> it I haven't heard shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and typically it was a you know shitty techniques. I mean, my third degree ACSEP was somebody drove me drove my shoulder straight into the mat. I wasn't able to get rotation. And I just like a pile driver straight down on top of my shoulder. Yeah. And you know, that's why I this golf ball right up here. Sure. But, um, the ACL one was a, a throw called, uh, I think it was Ukiwaza was the throw. And interestingly enough, it's gotten a little bit popular in jujitsu circles lately, except that they don't do it. They, they do it where they're basically just throwing all their body weight and pull, jerking the guy's, face directly to the mat 
Um, so it's kind of evolved to that, but that's not not a traditional ukiwaza. Traditional ukiwaza is uh, you, you drop your body in front of them, but you're pulling them forward and they basically trip over your leg. You kind of go down to your side a little bit mm-hmm. as you're pulling them forward. Um, but it's not this, you know, there's no judo throw. If you're using force, then you're, you're doing it wrong. Right. You know, they're, they're all based on, you know, physics. So uh, nothing, I mean, the principle of judo is never oppose force with force. So if you're doing that, you're not doing it right. Uh, but sort of like having to grab somebody's forehead to yank their chin up so you can get a better choke grip. Yeah, like fish hooking theoretically should be cleaner than this it, if you're doing it well. You know, it it should. Um, you know, I've I've tapped for chokes that were on my chin just because it sucks. You know, I felt my jaw kind of going into my ear canal. Yeah, yeah. But so that's like a semi regular conversation I have in the gym. Like you tap to something and just as 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 like good training notes. Like hey, for the record, I I tapped because it sucked, but it wasn't. I wasn't going out. Well, if, you know. if somebody's up in my shoulders with Kimuras and stuff like that, I mean, I'll tap pretty pretty quick, and they'll be like, oh, are you okay? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm just, you know, early and often. Yeah. Tap, I just, tap, tap to good grips. Yeah, that's... Nice, you got it. <laughs> Moving on. I, I, will hold, I will hold out pretty good for, for chokes. Mm-hmm. Um, because, it, and it's funny, I think when people start out, and, I, and I've said this to, to beginners too, you know, they tap out because it's coming. Yeah. And it's like, right. wait, wait a minute. I, I didn't even get my arm all the way around your neck. Well, you know, and I'm like, well, no. I mean, choke when you're getting choked. And, you know, when you can't, when you have to tap, tap. Right, right. And, you know, there are a few people who, who haven't. I've never been knocked out, but it's not because I, you know, I try so hard to, to stay awake. I just, you know, I don't. If the curtains start to close a little bit, I'm sure I could get caught by surprise. But usually mm-hmm. when I feel the curtains coming in from the left and right, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tap out. And I've had a couple of times where people haven't tapped out, which is, you want an unconscious story? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one's pretty, but I actually have three unconscious stories, but. Um, the, not the most I've heard. No, I know. I'm sure not. But. Uh, no, I'm sure. And it still, wasn't me. It was, it was other people, but, mm-hmm. um, but there's some, probably some lessons attached here. It's a nice backpack. A little bit. Yeah. Um, one of them was, uh, the guy went out, and I, and I can't. And it was kind of weird because I didn't expect him to go out, and uh, I think he had me. I, I don't know if I was. He was in my closed yard, and I was working a collar choke, and I kind of felt maybe I was starting to tighten up a little bit. And then he did something. He kind of moved forward or back, and he tightened it up for me. And the next thing I know, he just kind of fell over on his side, and um, he was kind of snorting a little bit. And I woke him up. He was out for maybe all of three seconds, and he looks up at me, and he goes, "How long was I out?" And I said, uh, well, I don't know, like two seconds. And he's like, whoa. He's like, it was like half an hour. He says, and I was, uh, mm-hmm. I was a beekeeper and I was tending my bees. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> and what, like, what a great, you know, he had a good time. Willie. Yeah, like, no. And know? I was like, you're welcome. I mean, absolutely. It also sounds- shows the craziness of dreams and like the brain. Because he was out for two seconds, and he lived like three chapters of a book. Yeah, no, it was like the TARDIS. You know, he went in, and it was, you know, an 18-room mansion. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, there is definitely a... That happens. I've seen it happen. Somebody taking like, an unexpected strike in boxing, and I've, I've seen somebody on like a uh, bow and arrow setup go out, and you just... 
So there's a fourth story. There I forgot about it. You just there is a fourth story, and it wasn't mm-hmm. from a choke. I actually knocked somebody out in a th- with a throw. Oh wow! And uh, the throw is called uh, Tanya Tosh. It means valley drop, and basically it's a it's a counter attack uh, for somebody coming in for like an ogoshi. So they come in for a hip throw, and mm-hmm. you basically drop to your side behind them. You you slide out your leg. You do not chop the back of their knees with your leg. That's how I tore ACL number two because somebody did that throw incorrectly. Um, You just slide your leg out and they they go backwards. Well, um, I was playing guy Glenn Shiflett. I'm going to name names. Glenn's one of my closest friends. Uh, Glenn is, um, he's a black belt in judo. He's 85 years old. He still trains. Mm. He's a total renaissance man. He's he's an amazing guy. And I had just moved to Minnesota and I didn't really know him very well. And it was one of those things where, he goes in for the Ogoshi, and I go in for the Tanya Tosh, and the moon was in the seventh house, and Jupiter right. aligned with Mars, right, right. and he went ass over tea kettle, and he landed right on his shoulders and the back of his neck, and bam, he was out like a light. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm like, oh, everybody's saying, I think I'm an asshole. This is not, you know, I wasn't trying to do. He wakes up, he looks at me, he goes, what happened? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I threw you. And he's like, that was fantastic. And I just did. And that was it. So we, we've been friends ever since. Right, right. And, uh, it, and, and he's a great example of if there are old people who act young and young people who act old, he is, <laughs> uh, you know, there's somebody else in judo who is the same age as Glenn. And, and one of them has been old since they were young. And Glenn has always been, been a young guy. And, right. you know, the math and, works out. And, and Glenn is, Glenn is always, he's been a great inspiration for, you know, not being that swaggering black belt. You know, he is, he's always been a real lateral guy. He, he called me one day and he's like, you know, I, I want to get your advice. Let's have lunch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I don't feel qualified for this. Yeah. But it makes you feel, you know, um, he was always, you know, really a lateral guy. And I've, and, and I've always respected him for that. And to this, like now, a lot of that, and maybe this also has has to do with how I've changed over time and, and why I enjoy competing more, is like I don't do the whole kind of swaggery black belt thing. I don't know if I ever did really, um, but I certainly don't now. Like I don't, I don't need anybody to call me sensei. If they want to call me sensei, that's fine. I, that's whatever makes you happy, but you can just call me Alex. And I don't, I don't need any of that. And I think that teaching judo and, and, and I think this translates to jujitsu too. You are, you are more of a, a guide. You're not telling people how to do it. Well, you got to put your foot there. You got to put your hand there. You got to do this because it's so different from, from each person. I mean, and that was one of the kind of the biggest flaws of my instructor was that he was like 6'3, he was pushing 300, and he taught every throw like you were 6'3 and pushing 300. And yeah, I remember I, when I was living in Savannah, Georgia, and I was training there, and I, I always wanted to have an Uchimata, and my Uchimata sucked. And because I did this thing called a Makikomi, which was an outside winding, I would swing my leg on the outside, and then I'd go up the middle, and the guy would just fall right off of my other leg. He'd just kind of, you know, do a little kind of ballet step over, and, uh, and that would be it. And it, I would never get the throw. Now, my instructor could do it, and he'd, he'd you know, send the guy to the moon. He'd whip over, pop. You know, it'd be fantastic. And I could never do that. And I tried to do this Maki Komi Uchimata, and the guy, 
the other black belt who I was training with, he's just like, yeah, he's like, for your size, man, you can't, you can't do the Makikomi. You've got to just do a short step on the inside of his legs, like right in between his legs and just go right up the middle. And bam, all of a sudden, I got a new Chimata. Sure. And, and I realized that I've got to teach the principles of how the thing works and go, okay, some people like this pocket grip here. Some people like to step here. If you're taller, I, I think you probably want to do this. If you're shorter, you know, maybe do this. Um, if you do this like this, it's not going to work for anybody over your weight, you know. And, and, then, and I think that also makes it harder. Um, judo can be a little bit more difficult for really big guys because they're able to substitute strength for technique. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, I can do this Ogoshi no problem. But then all of a sudden they try to throw somebody their own size and the shit doesn't work because they didn't ever learn the actual technique for it. They're just, right. you know, muscling the guy over. Or you just get some grips and lean over and there we go because I'm bigger and heavier. Exactly. And then I think that also segues to why I think that um, girls can get better faster and maybe better, period, than girls, than guys, because they don't have all that, you know, egotistical bullshit. You know, guys think that they come out of the womb knowing how to fight. Like they're genetically gifted knowing how to fight, or they assume that they're bigger, faster, stronger. And, you know, girls don't usually assume any of that. They, they go straight to strategy, straight to tactics. Um, and tactically, you know, there's no girl at my gym that isn't five times better than me. Right. It's the same thing in, in like the meathead stuff too. Like, I started a powerlifting club out of a YMCA, like a modern YMCA. At some point, that's where powerlifting lived. That's not the case anymore. They're big box fitness centers, you know, very sort of soft, if you will, most of the time. And Like title boxing? Uh, I'm, <laughs> edit. Oh. <laughs> uh, and 100%, nearly 100% of the guys I ever approached at this gym... And said, hey, man, I see you slinging some big weights. You, want, you ever thought about powerlifting, like doing the sport, training for it? Largely said no. Blew it off. Some kind of this and that, whatever. A gigantic percentage of the women that I uh, approached about that were like, I don't even know what that is. What is it? Yeah, I'm interested. Let's go. You know, there's zero pretense that sort of like, I, I don't know how to do any of this. Great. Let's go. Where the guy's are like, no, I got it. A bench about two sixty. Yeah, same kind of same kind of cultural influences. I'm assuming like you you feel like you're big and strong, can lift heavy weights. You feel like you're big and strong, you know how to fight, but you're wrong. No, and there's there's the Dunning Kruger, and it was I think it was was Jake. I think he brought he might have been the first person on the podcast to bring up Dunning Kruger. Yeah, I I remember somebody did. I think it was Jake, but. but that's that's perfect uh, because I remember like a long time ago I took a a coach's course for for the USJA because I I actually coached um, my students at the Junior Olympics in Albuquerque and I can't even remember what year it was um, it was a long time ago but uh, part of the coach's course is they talked about the four stages of learning and I don't know where they got it from or if the guy wrote it himself but it was. Uh, let me see. I haven't said it in a long time. Let's see if I get it right. Uh, unconscious incompetence. This gets into like known unknowns and unknown knowns. Yeah. And oh, no, yeah. No, we're, mean... we're going to go all through there. So unconscious incompetence. So you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Conscious incompetence. Mm-hmm. So you start to understand what you don't know. Uh, conscious competence. If you think about what you're trying to do, you can accomplish it. 
and then unconscious competence, which is, you know, muscle memory, conditioned responses, and, you know, you're a trip hammer. You, something right. happens here, you're not thinking about it, and you go straight to there. Right, right. Um, but you get people, especially people who might be athletically gifted, or they might be bigger, or they might be stronger, and they start doing jujitsu, and I'm, you know, you've seen it. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, you can you can speak to it. I'm sure. I'm not saying that you've experienced it, but I'm saying that um, a lot of it, it can be a lot more ego bruising for a big guy coming into jujitsu than a guy who weighs 140 pounds. Yeah. You know, a guy who weighs 140 pounds, you know, he's going to be in the same position where he's going to start to to learn how to be good yeah. um, by how he moves. You know, rather than what he can do physically. Right. And nothing uh, has worked in the fights he's been in, so he's completely a, a dry sponge, ready to absorb. Where big dude has shoved people around a few times and it worked yeah. quote unquote <laughs> worked and it's fortunate too because like you know little guys can't fight right i mean that's 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 what people assume yeah yeah he's, he's fight, really. fight, uh, yeah big and or scary and or physically strong means you can fight you know when you take the population that knows anything about fighting out of the equation yeah 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 i think about uh Chris Farley and, and the Tommy Boy. Oh, he a widow guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And you're a fat guy. And he's going to have better cardio. And, so. and a little coat. I've got a little coat. <laughs> uh, pause for a refill? No. Okay. Pause for sirens. What kind of neighborhood are we in here? Oh, yeah. Chaska's, Chaska's the ghetto. <laughs> Banana? Mm. It, you smell the smell the banana. Hold on. You're gonna taste it, maybe. I fancy myself a drink snob, particularly a beer snob, and I'm down to dabble well outside of both those bounds. But I also have a horseshit palate, oh, okay. like in terms of like knowing what you don't know and all that. <laughs> getting getting back to that, I I fancy myself a booze snob, but I'm uh, I'm trash. I. Uh, I rebroke my nose in Chicago. Uh, and I, I won't tell the story of the, the first time I broke my nose because last time I brought it up, that person was like, why'd you have to bring that up? Um, but yeah, somebody, when I was with Gracie Baja, somebody need me, you know, straighten the nose. and, and Not uh, purposefully, but I mean. No, not purposefully. As, as, they, they, supposedly yeah. they were going to do an Uchimata, which, you know, I, that was no Uchimata that I've ever seen. But <laughs> So it happened and it was like this hollow thwock sound. Ugh. And um, I remember, I remember spinning around, and the, this faucet of blood starting to come out of my nose. Yeah. And the my first thought was, my knees are okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, that's whatever. All, yeah. Do whatever you want. To I was just nose. like, oh my god, my knees are yeah. okay. It's all yeah. good. Everything's fine. My knees are okay. <laughs> and then in Chicago, I got head headbutted in the nose, and like it, it, it's such a marked difference between how much air is coming out of my left nostril and how much is coming out of my right. Uh, <laughs> You're a little crooked now. Yeah. On the inside, maybe. It, it was yeah, an Armenian yeah. nose, so it was never, you know, it, it, it was always a little jacked up yeah. genetically. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you, you say, Junior Olympics? Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a lot of fun, um, and and those memories kind of just came back recently because uh, one of my students, who was fifteen at the time, and this was at least fifteen years ago. Uh, because I know he's 34 now, uh, 
This is your gym out here, or was this a previous? Uh, actually, I was teaching at the YMCA in Egan at the okay. time. So I was driving yeah. all the way out to, to Egan. I was teaching with a guy named Joe Phipp, another another black belt in judo. Uh, he does a lot of referees stuff now. Sure. You probably see him locally. He used to sure. ref at the Nissan Smokers and things like that. Um, great guy. But we were teaching over there, and uh, we had some, some kids, and we ended up, you know, they won the qualifications in state, and were able to qualify for the Junior Olympics, so we went. Sweet. And actually, that was the first time I met Brian Olson, um, was at the Junior Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, and he, at the time, he was still competing, and I was like, hey, yeah, there's Brian Olson and everything. Now, he's he's become a good friend, another another great guy, and double threat, you know, four-time Olympian, and uh, jiu-jitsu and judo black belt. He's on the podcast list, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I'll give you a list of some people I think should you should chat with that are more interesting than me. Uh, but uh, when, at the Junior Olympics, so this one student of mine, he did uh, he did well. I can't I can't remember exactly. I, I, he didn't embarrass himself or anything, um, but he did well. And I just recently got a text message from him. I hadn't heard from him in years, and and he's been homeless for at least the last you know ten years. And was looking for a tent, so I set him up. I I posted in my uh, my like group, yep. you know, if anybody wanted to help out. And I got text messages, you know, here's two, here's a hundred dollars cash. Two people, you know, Venmoed me a hundred bucks. I I bought him a tent. Um, somebody donated a uh, sleeping bag, and somebody donated a uh, backpack. So I brought him all this gear this week, and uh, he was really appreciative of it. And I said, you know, hopefully you can get on your feet a little bit well and that's the point of fucking judo and jujitsu and insert whatever the fuck anyway is you have a network of people to you know be on your side when shit hits the fan right there's a closer friendships a lot of times than you develop you know with mutual friends hanging out at a bar because when you're literally trying to kill each other there's something that pulls you closer together right that's a cooperative endeavor that you don't really experience in other social networking things and you know, if, even if it's years after the fact, that network can can work on your work to your benefit. Oh yeah, I mean, just look at all the you know political upheaval and upheaval and tribalism in the last mm-hmm. you know a couple of years, five years. But people who you met under the judo or jujitsu circumstances, and you you know decided that they were okay, you know you could you could immediately forgive them for for all of that other stuff because right. your your friendship was based on right. you know this this commonality and something a little bit more deeper than that other nonsense you have a closer deeper you have an actual relationship with somebody yeah you know it, it's sort easy to of call fucking... somebody an idiot but wait, wait a minute oh wait you do judo oh i take back that yeah <laughs> well <laughs> let's talk about that instead if nothing else right no oh, i just i saw my notes I actually took took a couple of notes. I, notes, huh? Yeah. Well, just if, if there was like a couple of cool stories. Yeah. I, That's I, good podcast hosting. Is it? I should look into that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, I got to tell you my my favorite knockout story. We did two knockouts. Yeah. So there's four. The the number three is not that great. But give number me number three first. I want to hear number three. That'll make number the the last one sound even better. Uh, number number <laughs> three is barely a story. Um, Oh no, that would be number five. Number five is barely a story. Number five, he was just he was just snorting, and he had this like really. De- he looked at me with dead eyes. Yeah, and I mean he looked dead. Um, that was yeah. that was number five. Number three was 
in Chicago, uh, I choked a guy unconscious from inside his closed guard and the referee was not stopping the match because he was watching one of my teammates who was obviously much more entertaining than me. <laughs> so I had to bring his attention to what was going on. Uh, he's out. Yeah. <laughs> So that was that's number four. No, that's number three. Sure, they're not in chronological order. Apparently. Yeah. Um, number but the four, list keeps growing, which I like. Well, because I keep getting reminded <laughs> uh-huh. of them. I think it's I think it's only those those yeah. five. We'll be to twelve here in, the, in a little bit. This the, the this number whatever this is 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 the best one though. Um, I was going to Paris uh, with my family. And they wanted to go to the Eiffel Tower, but I had talked to Pat Worley, and Pat goes to Paris a lot, and Pat's like, oh, you know, you got to go train at uh, Phoenix BJJ in Paris at uh, Paolo Sergio Santos. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm in. So uh, the fam goes to the Eiffel Tower, and I take the metro to this place, and, you know, I go downstairs, <laughs> and, and I think there was one or two guys who, who kind of helped me uh, because they spoke English and helped me navigate a little bit. And I, it was funny because I, it was a jiu-jitsu school, but you know Teddy Reiner is right, the giant. Teddy Reiner is the um, the the Shaquille O'Neal of judo. I don't know who this is. He's and he's I'm embarrassed. He's he's the goat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he's okay. a French judoka. Sure. And he's the goat. Okay. And he's huge. And I walk downstairs, and it's a jiu-jitsu school. But of course, they've got a life-size cutout of Teddy Ryan. He's you know, <laughs> greeting me as I walk in. It's like he's like eight feet tall. And yeah. there's, there's Teddy, and I'm like, oh fuck, oh, oh, it's Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got, I got a randori with Teddy Reiner, um, <laughs> which would have been cool. Um, I I rolled with uh, Lucas Lepre, and that was you know exactly what you'd think it would be like. Yeah, a very casual clinic. Yeah, he was break dancing mm-hmm. on me. Yes, yes. Um, so we start training, and uh, he, he kind of splits up the white belts, and they, it was kind of an L-shaped room, and they go off into the top mm. of the L, and we're in the bottom of the L, and they're working on testing, I think he says. So he sends everybody over and you know, work on testing, and then we're just rolling, and I'm rolling with this blue belt, and uh, again, it was like kind of a collar choke, and I think I, was in, I, think I had him in my closed guard, uh, and I, I was not trying to put him out. I mean, I just I was just trying to maneuver a little bit. That was the last thing that, that I wanted to do. And next thing I know, he just collapses on top of me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I don't even but, speak the language. What do I say? Oh, no. I, I mean, it, 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 it went from a kiddie pool to a shark tank in about a second and a half. And I knew. And I was like, you know, you, you didn't do this on purpose, but. You got to take your medicine. This, right. this, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, as soon as he went on my chest, I'm like, oh, fuck. So Paolo Sergio Santos takes a guy and he sends him over to the corner. Like, it, you're done. Like, you don't get to roll anymore. So he just goes and sits the guy down. And he's just like, I don't know what he said to him, but he, the guy goes and sits in the corner and he's not, not training anymore. So you both get your medicine. <laughs> <laughs> like he, I was like, is he getting punished? And, uh, so don't tro- choke out a training partner, but also don't get choked out in training. Yeah, right. Rule of thumb. <laughs> and uh, so then, then it began, you know, uh, brown belt, black belt, and they're just, just running me over. And I left there, and I, I met up with my wife, and I, I guess I hadn't looked in the mirror. Uh, and she <laughs> looks at me, and she's like, 
oh my god what, what happened to your face you look like you've been in a car accident <laughs> uh, and she's like why are you smiling what is wrong with you why is this fun i mean what, what the fuck is wrong with you that's funny just just uh rough geese all over the place right Oh yeah, no, and I did at that point. Then I had to go. I, I had to look in the mirror, and uh, it—that's it, exactly what it looked yeah, like. Carpet dragon. Yeah, it was. It was great. But it. But you know, I. I the experience. I fondly remember it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. Like I'm. I wasn't mad at anybody. It's like okay, you know, you yeah. gotta. Get, you gotta get enforced on. You gotta take your medicine. You can right. get to somebody Un- else's house and. <laughs> unspoken rules here, whether you stumbled into them accidentally or not. Yeah, that's, that's how they go. Everybody was so nice afterwards. I mean, I actually I have no idea how nice they were because I mean, they, French is a beautiful language, and they could have been, you know, it's the opposite of German, right? Yeah. Oh, did have you some, seen that? Say something nice in German, it still sounds terrifying, right? Have you seen that? There's a TikTok of that. Oh, there's a TikTok of this. Oh gosh, yeah. There's three people, and they're one is speaking in English, one is speaking in Portuguese, and one is in German, and they're like <laughs> butterfly. Oh, okay. Boboleta. Flargen Hugen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen this actually. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. But yeah, yeah. I could see French even getting told to fuck yourself probably sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and apparently I I did that by accident. I was working in a restaurant, and the the owner was French, and I asked him to tell me something to say in French to some girls, mm. and he's like, "Okay, say this." And I came over and I'm like, and then I come back and he's like, do you want to know what you really said? <laughs> yeah, because slight inflection changes, changes a lot, all right? You ever win anything? In, in like at the fair? In anything, yeah, fuck. You ever win something? I've never won anything. Um, I mean, preferably in like some version of fighting, but... Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I have. Oh, is this uh, my fight resume? I don't know. We'll, um, see, we'll see how it happens. I, I my first big, my first big big win. Like I'd won some state stuff and everything, and I didn't, I didn't count that as as that big of a deal. But in judo, but then I, uh, I think it was right around the time, right before I tore my ACL so I was probably around 31 30 31 and I was at the uh, state fair in Milwaukee so it was a Wisconsin state fair in Milwaukee and it was the AAU Nationals and I had uh, I think at the time they had like they had like a senior division and an advanced division it was it wasn't masters but I think they called it seniors at the time anyway I had I had a lot of fights Excuse me. And that was the first time that I had, you know, judo tournaments. I don't, you probably haven't been to a judo tournament, but zero. Okay. Well, a local jujitsu tournament will have more people than most judo tournaments. I mean, it's just, there's just not a huge spectator base. Right, right. And even back when it was fun to watch. And this was the state fair. And we were like, on this elevated platform and there was, you know, bleachers. And I was like, Oh shit, you know, and I don't know what it did, but, but I think this was also, you know, maybe kind of a turning point for me because I really, I started having a good time. Like I won my first match and, you know, there was cheers and things. And I thought, Oh, this is kind of fun. And then I, I kept winning and I ended up 
uh, I think I got gold in one division and silver in another division. I can't remember which was which, but that was my first, you know, national gold at the AAU nationals. And I remember that one of my last fights at that point, I was like exhausted. I had, I'd had at least six fights or seven fights and I was really tired and I had to fight this Russian kid and he was a good, you know, six, three. And I was like, and I'm, I'm 31 and he was probably t- you know, 20 and I was like, I, I can't go however many minutes. I don't remember what, if they were five or six or whatever. And I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to go six minutes with this guy. So I'm like, I, I've got to try to figure out a way to end this quickly. So we walk up, you know, that the Hajime is given. We walk up to take our grips and I go to take my grip and I kind of stick out my right foot, you know, as far as I possibly can, just right out in front of him. Just, you know, there might as well have been a carrot dangling on the end of it. <laughs> and he goes for it. He goes to sweep that leg, except that the, in, in judo, the throw is called Subami Gaeshi. So it's, it's. When somebody goes to do a diashi barai, when they go to sweep your outside leg with their outside leg, um, it's kind of like a windshield wiper. Sure. So when they go, usually one foot is in front of the other. When they go to do it, you pull away your foot and then you resweep their foot that's coming at you. Yeah. Use their momentum. Yeah. And, and just it's, keep that thing it's going. a bait, but you have no weight on that front foot because it's all on your back foot. So you can easily kind of pull it away and then sure. stick it back and then take that leg. Sure. So that's exactly what happened. He goes for it. I resweep him. He lands on his back. It's an Ippon in three seconds. Nice. And I get the golden stopwatch. Um, so they actually gave me a stopwatch. It was not gold. It was just a stopwatch. But <laughs> I was like, so yeah. That but was, it is a well-written tournament. The writing staff they, pull, pulled it off. They That's called it the golden stopwatch. And the this kid that, that I won against, he was with student of... Uh, the AAU, the guy who at the God, I can't remember. I, knew, I think his name was Norm, but I can't remember his last name. But he was in charge of the AAU at the time, and he had organized the entire tournament. And uh, he came up to me afterwards, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't think that you'd be much, you know, worth the shit. He goes, but you're pretty good. And I was like, wow, thanks. that's pretty complimentary, actually. That's, yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty sweet. <laughs> and I think my response was, oh, I beat your guy in three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of feeling a little That's that the description of beating your fighter in three seconds is pretty good. And then like somebody comes up some somebody came up to me like right after that and with their kids and they like I thought they were assaulting me and they're like, Can we can we can we take a picture can, you know with you? And I'm like what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> is my hair funny? Do I look yeah. weird? Why are we? Yeah, really. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't false humility. I'm just like, why? And then I think that if the, if you looked at the picture, I'd have this look on my face, like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are these people? Who, Who do I look these, like? Why, why on earth would you want this? Um, but that was, you know, that was pretty cool. And I think that that I, you no, know, not just because I did well, but. It was a, it was fun, and I was like, "Wow, this can actually be fun." And then I tore my ACL, and I was out for a year, <laughs> which is not fun. No, which is not directly not fun. No, yeah. and it's you know, it's. I think that if you've got trainers and you've got the means and everything, and you're a, an A level athlete, maybe you could be back on the mat in, in six to eight months. Right. But for normal people, it's a, it's a twelve month injury, and uh, so I've lost you know three years just from knees. 
And I think that along with the rules change and along with realizing that I wasn't having fun, um, I think it was 2011 that I decided to transition over to jujitsu. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> Grab them with your legs. Yeah, and and uh, so I started over at Gracie Baja, and Rafael, and I'm not going to get his last name. It's like seven last names. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got seven. Maybe some of those are middle names. I, I don't know, but he's got like seven names. He was a great instructor. He was he was one of my favorite instructors, and uh, he he knew that I was a black belt in judo, and pretty much nobody else over there knew me so and i had thrown on of course i was wearing a white belt because i was you were a white belt because yeah. i was a white belt and uh it was only later that i realized that like if i was competing i couldn't compete as a white belt but that's that's another story yeah you can't compete as a white I, belt yeah i suppose technically if you're a black belt in geo. what's what's the compromise there what you have to you'll get dq'd i mean it's ibjjf rule i suppose like local tournaments when but i mean like what are you supposed to compete at blue belt oh that's you don't like that. Still fucking terrifying. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so he knew, like he knew I was a black belt in judo. So he he had a great sense of humor. So he decided that the game that we were going to play would be standing king of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so like again, a, again the writing staff, but they're predictable this time. That's, that's exactly what I was expecting. Okay, and that's exactly <laughs> you know exactly what happened. Um, but it's interesting because I think, you know, in a lot of ways, judo, jujitsu people can be harder to throw in, in some because of their posture and things like that. But um, so I think there were like 13 people in the class. And after, you know, I ran through like the 11th person, everybody's like, <laughs> Wait. what the fuck is this shit? You know, what, what yeah. is what is going on here? Uh-huh. Um, and it was you know, it was kind of fun. But in the same breath, you know, I might have been feeling my my oats in that regard. But then I was like literally going to to school when it came to the yeah. groundwork it was like i it was it, a two-sided was game devastating from the beginning. how much i didn't know yeah yeah you know um he's yeah. he saw both sides of the game he said this is going to be fun and then the second half yeah. of class is going to be fun too yeah getting your just desserts yeah right? it yeah. was you know i i went i went from being a eagle to being a turtle <laughs> and but but I have really enjoyed like and somebody once asked me you know as a black belt you know throwing on a white belt you know how did that feel and I was like are you kidding it felt great it was the greatest thing in the world you know not not having any of those expectations and just being just going back to, and I was really ready to go back to learning like um, and that the destination thing was was the the journey thing was really on my mind I just wanted to be a sponge I just wanted to I didn't want to at that point and I didn't want to teach. You know, I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to to just kind of start competing again and just feel everything was fresh, and it was it was awesome. I mean, it was it was everything that I imagined. I love jujitsu. Um, I think in many ways, jujitsu is becoming what judo used to be, if not better, in a lot of ways. Um, it, it reminds me of when I used to have fun doing judo, uh, and they're allowing things to evolve naturally. You know, yeah, so things come and go, you know, the burn below and, and, well, I won't say De La Hiva because you can find people doing, you can find videos of people doing De La Hiva in, you know, the 1940s. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it was, wasn't called that, but that it's not, it's not really new. Right. Um, people wrapped people up in a lot of different ways 
for a long time for for a long time yeah. and you know and things come and go and things evolve and and you know it's the referee's job uh, in no way should they affect the match and that's that's the other problem with jujitsu is that the referee with with all the stoppages with jujitsu or judo i'm sorry judo okay yeah thanks mm-hmm. with judo um the referee is affecting the match i mean there is just absolutely no question that he is affecting the match he's he's affecting the tone he's he's affecting you know the people's rhythms and everything i mean it's pretty impossible to just even get one i mean there's just way too many too many stoppages um and i remember this was a tournament this is this is also a really good example of on on a on a real gross scale of kind of how referees can start affecting a match this here's a referee who actually did you know decide you know, how a match was going to be based on, you know, what he was saying. Gross like broad or gross like yucky? Gross like disgusting. Oh, okay. I mean, it was just like, uh, I was playing, I think it was a state tournament. And this was back, this was at the, I think the decathlon, was it the decathlon club? It was a, it was a tennis court in St. Louis Park. I think it was connected to like a Northwest Fitness. And it was one of those like inflatable domes. <laughs> oh, no, no, it wasn't in St. Louis Park. It was down by, it was in Bloomington. Like 98th Street. Yeah, I think so. It's I a think lifetime it's, now. It used to be a Northwest Athletic. Yeah. There's probably a couple up down there, but that's yeah, the one I know. Yeah, it's uh, Is it still there? It's a lifetime fitness. They, oh, okay. Have, yeah, well, they, that... They bought that whole... I think it was out. made up in Land Lakes tournament. Uh, it, was, it was one of the big tournaments that they used to have every year in judo. And I was playing... Um, well, I won't, I won't mention names here, but... <laughs> <laughs> have another sip of that, yeah. and then we'll talk names. I said, I said to myself, oh, you mentioned names. Mention all the damn names, but I'll go easy on this one. Um, so I, I won my match with a choke. It was like it was like kind of a modified rear naked choke. And then, uh, so like judo is not single. Most judo is, sing, is double elimination. Okay. So there, you can end up playing this the, the same. No, you won't end up, if you beat him once, it must have been another division. So I ended up playing the same guy again. Yeah, it must have been a different division. And I had the same choke. And I get mate'd. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense because I was in the choke. So it wasn't like I wasn't showing progress. I mean, I was choking the guy. I was just about he was just about to tap out. You know, what the fuck? So the referee comes up to me, and here's a guy, judo guy that I've known, you know, for years. He comes up to me and he says something to the effect of, well, you know, you'd already used that. Get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I said, that's not your call. Jesus Christ. He goes, well, you know, I, I, you know, I want you to be... Original? There's, there's originality yeah, you, points no, no, in judo. This, this was, you know, this was like a... He was talking to me like we were having a teaching moment. This is a teaching moment here. I'm like, don't you ever fucking do that. <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous. I still ended up winning the match, but yeah. not with that. So... So he he did what? you know what he did was was good because it it forced me to find a different way to win fucking guy <laughs> you only need to find a different way to win if you need yeah. a different way to win and you didn't oh that's, all it, that's fucking silly all you judo guys out there you're you're wondering who that was aren't you don't do it <laughs> I probably don't, don't do have it. to do that yeah, they, could, yeah, they could probably figure it out on yeah. their own that's the same kind of thing though there's so much subjective to it. Right, there's so much space for human error. 
the same thing with like refing and football, I would assume, and stuff like that. But and even in like powerlifting, like I will coach people in a powerlifting meet differently based on which judge is calling their press command in the bench. Right? Mm-hmm. Like always stay consistent, execute the way you know to execute, but expect the call, the command to come quickly this time. You know, and this one expect to have to be patient at the bottom before you start pressing. I won't up, do you it. Know? I, I actually I think they Norm at AAU he had, he threw me a referee's polo shirt, which I think is still in my closet, and he said, uh, you know, can you referee a couple matches? And he, you know, I think he was didn't have enough refs, and and I did it to do him a favor. Sure. And uh, hated it. And I knew I was going to hate it, and I fucking hated it. It's like an impossible spot to be in. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you know you that I pissed some people off. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and I you know and I was they're probably right. I was probably wrong um, because I don't think that I I don't think I would be a very good referee. Um, I just don't. You can't think. have refs picking fights with with people in the crowd. No. No, and I and I learn heel hooks and then go be a ref in case you end up fighting somebody in the crowd. What did Clint Eastwood say? You know, man's got to know his limitations. That, that's definitely one of them. I, mm. I don't want to be a ref. You don't want me to be a ref. Um, I will take the polo shirt. He also said, "Get off my lawn." He's <laughs> in a different movie. What when you you referenced when judo stopped being fun to watch? When was that? Oh. Rough year and why? Yeah, well, when they when they elicited the rules change, um, no grabbing the legs. No grabbing the legs. I mean, first of all, when they first did it, they made it. Um, I'm not going to get this part right, but I'm sure somebody's going to correct me. But initially, I don't think initially it was a, uh, a DQ, but then it was a DQ. Then it was what, what's called Hansokamaki, which is. A DQ. I know it sounds like something you would order at uh, Benihana, but it's not me. Right. And, and it might might and be somebody would someone else. And um, that would be <laughs> that would be a DQ for grabbing a yeah for grabbing a leg. So when somebody said to me, "Oh, you know, there's rules changes are you know designed to help with they're not for alienating jujitsu players and alienating wrestlers. That's not what it's for." Okay, then why make it a DQ? Now it's not a DQ. Now it's, a, a, I think, a Shido, which is another penalty. So you won't get DQ'd for it anymore. Um, but for a short time, you touch the leg and you'd get DQ'd. And I was still competing um, in judo. And there are a lot of throws. Like one of my favorite throws is, and I actually I just did this in, in Chicago, is called uh, um, Kuchikatoshi, which is the dead tree drop. And... Yeah, no, it doesn't. It sounds good, right? They sound cool in Japanese. They sound way cooler in in English. The, the, dead the tree. handful of ones that I know. Can we here just add an echo? The dead tree. Drop. The dead tree. Drop. The dead. And uh, <laughs> what to describe it? Tell me. Tell me what I'm looking at here. You 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 know what it is, but I'll describe it. So basically, you you grab their outside leg and you have it on the outside of your body. So instead of a uh, instead of a single where you have the it between your legs, yep. you've got their leg on the outside of your body. Yep. You're controlling their lapel. You take a step in, and you reap the remaining leg, and you you can put them on their back sure. as, okay. as, with as much force as you want. I mean, it's not considered a slam, so you could really knock a lot of ambition out of somebody. They're going to slam. They're going to be called a slam. 
they're gonna, they're gonna slam. They're gonna they're gonna slam. <laughs> so that's uh, so that would be that was one of my favorite throws. And like I said, I I did it in Chicago a few weeks ago, and it's it would now be. I would get a, I would not get any points for it, and I would get a I wouldn't get DQ'd anymore, but I would would not get the throw, and I would uh, get a penalty. So there's this like cultural lore in jujitsu of Dean Lister telling Donaher, "Why would you ignore fifty percent of the body?" and that being at least part of the catalyst to opening up jujitsu to playing a lot more leg games, probably roughly around the same time that judo went the other fucking direction. Yeah, and That's super frustrating. And what if, you know, well, if you're somebody, if we're talking about the whole condition response thing, I mean, I, that's one of mine. So it's going to be really hard as an old guy to turn that off. Your sharpest blade can't really be used the same way. Well, plus, am I going to be like thinking about that the whole time? Okay. You can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. Right. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. It's not like soccer. Don't use your hands. Okay, cool. No one uses their hands. I've never used my hands. I'm never going to think to do it. You literally say, all that stuff you do, stop doing it. Yeah, that's really frustrating. So that that part, it wasn't fun to do. But as far as like the not fun to watch part, um, yeah. it, it's just, you know, it's just like watching turtles fuck now. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, the... The comment I got, I'm at a restaurant or two while the Olympics are going and... TV networks are amazing at making sure stuff gets shown all day long for, you know, its own little do, it seems like. And the comment I got from people, you know, family members, extended family members and whatnot was, God, they're all standing so upright. And like, I wanted to be like, well, I don't understand a lot about it, but my understanding is you are completely not at risk for a lot of quote unquote normal attacks. Like if they've seen wrestling, like college and high school wrestling completely different posture so they're like they see judo and it completely different like it's like a posture competition in the beginning because you're not at risk of leg stuff so it doesn't matter right that that's really that's funny that you should mention that because the first time that i competed at masters worlds um i was with a couple guys from from alliance uh and one of my one of my training partners said to me you you can't walk up like that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And they're like, bend over a little bit like a jiu-jitsu guy. Because when they stay kombach, I mean, you're walking up with this like shoulders back posture with your arms forward and everybody's just going to look at you and go, fuck this shit and pull guard. Because I yeah. mean, you might as well be wearing a sign on the top of your right. head that says I'm a judo guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't know a whole lot about it, but that's exactly what I would think. It, you know, there's a certain sort of pomp look to it, just by nature of the rule set that allows you to sort of stand a certain way. You know, I, uh, I was when I, I think it was my first Chicago tournament, and there were three people in my division. I was a blue belt, and there were three people in my division, and uh, one of them had come up to me like right before our fight, and he's like, "You're Alex," and I'm like, "You're Tony," because I. I looked him up too and I saw, you know, he was like six foot four and uh, he had just got back from Brazil and I was, he was kind of getting in my head a little bit. And, uh, he's like, you're Alex. And he's like, you're the judo guy. And I'm like, okay, you've got Google. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, all right, so you're going to pull guard. So, and he was, man, he was long and he pulled guard and he's the guy that I choked out from inside his guard. Mm Mm-hmm. And I get yelled at for it too because it's a it's a it's kind of a 
Yeah, it's a gimmicky deal for sure. I mean, and and what what happened was is that I got an in, I got a collar grip. I got a nice collar grip, and I was able to put a little bit of pressure on him. But I was definitely, you know, um, purple and above would armbar the shit out of me if if I tried to do this because I got this straight arm kind of right, right, there. right. Um, but I was able to put enough pressure that I was on his neck. I was able to open his guard and get around to one side, put more weight on one of his legs. And then when we were, when he was off center, I was able to get my other hand in there and, and finish the choke. And he still, I mean, he was so long cause you can see it in the video. He still has like just a little tiny bit of closed guard just at the ankles and you can just watch them. And you watch this moment where they just go <laughs> bloop, bloop and they just, they flop over. Yeah. And then you, and then there's the ref watching, you know, the more interesting match next door. Right. Right. Well, that's the best way. I mean, at least you're not cranking on a joint, waiting for the ref to tell you to stop. Yeah. You know, worst case scenario, you fall asleep for a little bit. I was there for eight minutes. <laughs> With that collar grip? No. Oh, I was going to say, Jesus. Get better at collar chokes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. No. I, um, and that was so, and that was my first jujitsu. Well, no, that was my first IBJJF tournament. Mm hmm. And I was I was hooked, man. It was great. I didn't IBJJF at the time was let's see that would have been uh, what year was that? That was I think 2015, and you were still waiting in the bullpen a long ass time in 2015. You won't be in the bullpen for three hours now, but you were back then. You were you could be in the bullpen for a really really long time, right? And uh, but I still I. I I was like, this is great. This is so much more fun. And I and I think that I uh, attributed a lot of that fun to jujitsu and the IBJJF, but I think a lot of it was me too. Yeah, there's a fire there again. You know, and, and look, let's be honest too. I'm not the pressure of being in the adult division, you know, now I'm with the old guys and we're hugging it out and you know, <laughs> you know, we're we're we can't wait to go to the buffet after and right. you know, and all yeah. that stuff. And so it's there, the gray beard etiquette. There there's that as well. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows how I'd be if I was, you know, or if I if if it was required if it was my living or Oh yeah. Yeah, totally you know, different. Or something like that. I'm sure I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. What do you think jujitsu is fucking up on? Like, you know, being able to reflect on what judo's fucking up on, so to speak. Um, well, let me back up even. Yeah. Is that IOC Olympic level stuff that trickles down and ruins it at every level? Or do you bump into different rule sets and stricter limitations as you move out and up? Well, um, not not every tournament is using yeah. IJF rules. This, I guess that's what I'm asking. Okay, there, so there, does everybody okay. comply? I guess. Well, no, because I mean, there's freestyle judo, and there's kosen judo, oh. and kosen judo you can pull guard, and uh, it, you know, it's it's more jujitsu-y. Um, there's definitely more groundwork. Freestyle judo similar. I don't know all the difference in the rule set. Sure, um, sure. Kosen judo is is more like the way things used to be. Like there's, except for the throws that were made illegal for good reason, like Connie Basami, the leg scissors, um, and things like, are you aware of that? No. Describe it best you can. Okay. Oh yeah. That doesn't look good. So when you, when, <laughs> Google when, that. And like, yeah, listening. Google that. Google, Google, I think 1983, Amashta, Connie Basami. Um, and if that doesn't make you cringe, mm. When his ankle gets folded over like a piece of paper, mm. yeah. So and that's that's what happened. That's that's when they made it, um, yeah, illegal. So Connie Basami, uh, but it's one thing to be like doing fighting sports in like a 
fake pageantry matter manner. But it's also another thing to just make reasonable accommodation to the fact that we're not actually fighting, you know. We don't need to go full play pageant like choreographed fighting, but there's some lines you can draw. I think you might still see it in John Wick. God, I hope so. (laughs) Movies are fake for a reason. Do the best shit there, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure they get get hurt practicing it too. I would imagine, yeah. Um, To to answer your question about... uh, jujitsu i think it's the exact same thing as well it's not the exact same thing as judo um from a like referee standpoint and from a rule standpoint i think they're really letting things evolve and there's and they're, for the most part they're staying the hell out of the way mm-hmm. uh but watching people boot scooting around makes me want to vomit <laughs> it's a reasonably common commentary you know the, the there again, it's here's what the rule set allows, and and here's what's what's going to work better for me. So I may as well play that way. But again, it's degrees away from like actual fighting. How far do we let it go for the sake of safe, effective sport? Yeah, I guess right. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I I listened to Pat. I was I was listening to him, you know, guard pulling, and and he never. He's not going to stand with me, and he's proud to not stand with me, and that's cool, and mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, no, it's just knowing your game, yeah, and knowing your your odds of success. Yeah, it is for sure. And and as older players, um, I, I I'm sure that there are there are certainly residuals that I have from my injuries, and I think more they're more mental. And and honestly, that's a very very big reason. It's the rules change is huge. But up there is I can never be as good as I used to be because I'm I'm more tentative now than I'd ever been in the past. I mean, when you're young and when you're invincible and no, none of those things can happen to you, I mean, you can you can go in you know balls deep on throws, yeah. and uh, and I just cannot. And that that's required. Like, should I pause? You're hitting buttons. No, keep going. <laughs> keep going. You know, and I could uh, I could just kind of put all caution to the wind and, and go for a throw. And that's the, what you have to do in, in judo. I mean, you have to commit fully to a throw. You can, can't dabble in a throw. There are certain things that you can do in jujitsu that you can kind of test the waters and see their stability and, and say, well, you know, maybe I'll try to sweep them this direction, test it, see, right. you know, see what's going on right. and then either execute it or, or not. That, that doesn't happen. You can't do yeah. that. You, you have got to, ex- you've got to get your grip and go and, because if it doesn't happen fast, it doesn't happen at all. No, I mean, there's no grinding out too many judo throws. Like sort of just gonna maybe almost. Yeah. Once you are fully committed, there are some like adjustments that you can make. Mm-hmm, um, like mm-hmm. if you drop to your knees and and you, you if you're doing like a, a morote, yeah, like a morote or a, okay. a, a pansinagi or morote sinagi, mm-hmm. which just means one arm or two arm shoulder throw. If you're doing that. And you know you're kind of you've got to drive forward and you've got to kind of you know walk on your knees or kind of get sure. up and, and, and drive yeah. forward to finish yeah. it off. You know that's certainly a thing. Right. Um, you know you don't if you're in an open division, guys a little bit bigger, maybe you have to do a little bit more of that. I had a, a pretty big throw in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and it was one of my favorites, and it looked great, and it was totally slow motion because the guy was a super heavy. Yeah. You know I got <laughs> I got the throw, but it lasted like half an hour. Yeah. One, that's the speed that guy moves at, and two, just fucking heavy. You know what the best part? Half an of, hour <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of watching those, like when you have them on video and watching those. The yeah. best part is listening to the people who are standing by where the person is recording. 
and and the coolest thing I ever heard, well, actually, it's probably the best and the worst thing I ever heard, was these two obviously younger guys, and they were talking about me, and one goes, oh, he's pretty explosive for an old guy. And I'm like, wow, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I am also, fuck off. <laughs> That's complimentary. A couple of young bucks seeing the gray in the beard and going, huh, look at this guy. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and I don't really, I'm not going to, am I going to bitch about being old, you know, with guys like Glenn and Pat and, and you know, George <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Faber? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, Pat's 73, mm-hmm. Glenn's 85, still training. Still <sighs> kicking ass too. Training's one thing, but oh, like taking it, care of business. You know, right? ma- ma- make no mistake about it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Pat, you know, he, he nearly popped my head off. He, <laughs> I think it was a loop choke or something. He just he caught me and and I, I, I thought my head was just gonna go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, Semi derailment here. How long were you at Baja training there? Um, until it closed. Yeah. So I mean, but how long? I guess it was a couple of years. A couple of years, something like yeah, that. Maybe, That's about maybe. the length it was open, right? Yeah. So you switched to Alliance after that. Uh huh. Where's Alliance? In Edina. Full shout out. <laughs> I like to call out Full. like the the who, where it is and the literally where it is, like the address. Okay. So Alliance in Edina. Alliance in Edina. How long have you been there? Um. Yeah. Since I left, I think at least seven years. Yeah, I think I'm going on ten in jujitsu, and um, and I love it. I love I love my friends and and I actually, you know, I I know so many people in the community, and we're like so connected with a lot of the people who train, you know, that I see at at the tournaments and stuff. You know, Dave Scora, Marcus. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Scott Coleman. You almost can't not know people, right? It's just that type of a community. no. And I don't, you know. I don't feel any of, I don't think we have a ton of it, like any kind of rivalries or thing. We don't really have a ton of it around here. But like that doesn't, that's not a thing in judo at all. Tell me what you mean. Like a judo school to a judo school to a judo school. There's no, there's no rivalry because it, there, there's no like competing camps or anything like that. Kodakon judo is Kodakon judo is Kodakon judo. I mean, everybody is really running off of the same curriculum, a green belt, a green belt, a green belt. I mean, they all kind of have the same, you know, uh, curriculum that they have to follow, the things that they have to know for those belts. The tests are, you know, if they're following the USJA syllabus, like I created my own syllabus based on, for, from when I had my school, based on USJA, but I like required more. Like I... Oh, sure. That was you just started there and moved up. I started there and I moved up. And it's funny because like my school, our requirements for even for black belt were insane. They were just insane by normal USJA standards. And the irony of that is when I got my black belt, I had what's called a club rank. My instructor wasn't huge with competitions. Like the competitions that we did were local competitions. And if we would have done a lot of bigger competitions, I would have been required to get a, a USJA or or one of the other organizations memberships. Um, and then, you know, my rank would have been certified through through those organizations. But he was the Florida Academy of Judo and Karate, and it, which was used to be the Point Pleasant because he used to be from uh, the East Coast up north. And my rank was through that local organization. 
you know, it's like the different, like a local frat versus a national frat yeah, sure, kind of thing. Sure. And so then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. I had to then get my rank verified through the national organization. And, you know, the requirements that I had for my showdown were so much more than a showdown as black belt mm-hmm. were so much more than what was required by the USJ. But then they're like, oh yeah, we need you to, you know, do this kata that you haven't done in 15 years in front of a board you know do some dog and pony show and it's like fuck that shit and they still want me bureaucratic bullshit oh yeah and they still want me to do stuff like that today for my fourth degree okay yeah you're gonna okay so so what are the requirements all right well you're gonna have to do this kata in front of uh you know these people who you know which is cool but then, you know, it's going to be judged by this Udanshikai, these other people who don't even know you. And, you know, they're going to check that box. And, you know, so technically, you could be a guy off the street who learns this one kata who they sign off on and then send to these other people who then they sign off on. And, and there you go. And they don't actually know you. Yeah. And it's, so it's not like it's really locally. I mean, everybody around here knows who everybody is in the judo community. You, mm-hmm. you know if they're active. You know if they're not active. You mm-hmm. know what they're doing. You know what they're not doing. And it's just like, okay, do they have the time in? Yeah, they've, they've been a black belt, you know, a, a showdown for two years or whatever the requirement is. Okay, you know, they're teaching. They're, they're competing. You know, he's got a new kid, so maybe he's not as busy as you. But he's, you know, he's as involved as he could be. Okay, he's a third degree. Yeah. Done. And, you know, a lot of that is coming from the, the for-profit model that you have with the IBJJF. Um, But like right now, the USJ, the United States Judo Association, as we speak, is imploding. You said that. You used that exact phrasing when we were messaging about getting together. Yeah, they are imploding. Tell me what that means and why. And you can can go online and you can watch everybody's. It's like, why is the USJ website down? Is is it, Um. you know, why is this happening? And, and, you know, they're, they're aboard and they're just... It's the old guard, and they have, they have ownership in the sport. I remember at one point in time, I you know was uh, going to rebuild their website, and I spent you know months going back and forth with the board about you know the the contract and what I was going to do, and I was taking all of the liability of like buying uh, inventory and things, and then they would be able to get a portion of the profit, but I was taking all the liability, and I was going back and forth, and there was all this infighting and everything, and. They were just about to approve the project, and I went, this is going to be a nightmare no. to myself. And I'm like, you know what? They they can't move at the speed of business. I'm going to want approval for like a new product or something, and they're going to be like circle jerking yeah. a, a, about approving it for four weeks. And so I, I went to the president at the time, and I'm just like, listen, I like I appreciate all your time, but I'm, I'm stepping out, man. I'm not going to do this. This is... I can just see the writing on the wall. Yeah, once you can there. smell toxic, you just gotta. Yeah, get it away. was it was bad, and 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 I remember also, you know, suggesting, you know, they had the same logo from nineteen sixty something, and it looks like something from nineteen sixty yeah. something, yeah. and I'm like, well, can we redesign it? Oh no, you know, no, 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 we can't possibly do that because blah blah blah, and I'm like, what if we just like polish that turd a little bit, just kind of modernize it, you know, yeah. keep its its shape and form, but just kind of you know, new font. New, new kind of look for the for the torch and the American flag shield from 1962, and you know maybe the shield is at a little bit of an angle. Maybe the torch has a flame that right. you know still recognizable, but just yeah. fresh. Yeah, no, not, not, you, I mean, not even that. Huh? No, you yeah. you'd think that I was asking to rape their grandmother. I mean, Ooh. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that and that's bad. I mean, when 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 the on the bureaucratic end of any operation is that entrenched, you get into some trouble. Well, and, and it's that, that swaggering black belt 
ownership of the sport mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, we you know we own this sport, and and so it was it was impossible. And now that that has now imploded all of this cronyism and all of this, uh, you know, when I say corruption, it's just it's based on the power and the ownership. And I mean, even like with things like promotion, there are people who have been, who at, at, or at Showdown or at First Degree Black Belt, they've been teaching quietly, doing their thing, being an ambassador for the sport three, five times a week. They've been a First Degree Black Belt for 15 years, you know, 20 years. And they're not getting on anybody's radar. And they're not the kind of people who are going to go through all of the dog and pony show of, you know, what points they have. And I mean, literally, they have this this thing where you have to put, well, you got, did you help organize a tournament? Um, okay, well, what did you do? Okay, you did this. You get three points for that. Okay, you opened, the, held the door for people. Okay, you get a point and a half for that. Um, oh, you organize a tournament. Oh, you get four points for that. And, you know, you can't tell me that people don't, don't pad that shit. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're going to be, right, 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 you know, right. be able to look up all of these points. You know, I got points for this, points for that, points for teaching, points for, you know, whatever. And so the people who, I mean, it's the, it's the bureaucrats and, and the people who are, are competing and the people who are like balls deep in the sport and are just doing it because they love it. They stay under the radar. They don't ask for a lot of attention and they're just looked over. You know, nobody's really paying attention to them. And, and for the most part, they don't care. But then it comes to a certain point where, you know, they want to promote to a certain rank and they can't because they're not two ranks above it. Like, okay, I'm a third degree, so I can promote to a showdown, but I can't promote any higher than that. And since I'm a third degree, third degree black belt is considered a learning rank still. It's not a master rank. It's all sure. oh, your master in judo. No, I'm not actually. Um, but when I'm fourth degree, then that's considered a master rank. You can wear the red and black stripe. Right. Okay. I'm not, I'd lie if I say that that wouldn't be cool. But mm-hmm, in order mm-hmm. for me to get that, it's not that I teach. It's not that I'm, you know, involved in the sport. It's not that, you know, I'm in the community and I'm doing whatever I'm doing. It's, well, you, did, did you help organize a tournament because you need, you know, four points for that and you didn't, you know, do that. And it, or, or the best part is, okay, and we're also going to need you to do this kata that you haven't done in 25 years yeah, yeah. In, in front of some people. And it's like, okay. And that's going to tell you that I'm a fourth degree black belt by doing, I, I'm sure that, you know, when this gets out, you know, people are going to get whiny, but whatever, because I'm, I'm just so done with it. I just don't even care anymore. Right. Well, but I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable critique. Like, when it gets too fucking bureaucratic, an honor system or a very specific system both kind of fall apart. It seems, from a very limited exposure to it, it seems like even at that level, amongst the black belts in jiu-jitsu, that it's, it's, it's a good system. Like, there's a rough guide, like, every three years, so long as you're practicing, theoretically contributing to the art, so to speak, teaching a class here and there, whatever it is, you're you're going to see recognition well, of your continued it, right? training. So, like, if you were worried that things were going to go off the rails and everybody's going to be walking around with a black belt and there's going to be all this liability and all this stuff, if that's what you were worried about, all these unqualified people, well, you can look at the IBJJF and you can see how they self-police. They self, they fucking self-police. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's there's two or three videos of somebody who put mm-hmm. on a black belt and they're mm-hmm. not, but they're not competing in IBJJF and they're not doing all this other stuff. And it's like, everybody, this this community is small enough we know who's legit yeah, yeah and there's you know pretty there's very few people who who aren't it seems very 
extremely hard to like fake being good at fighting. How the fuck do you do that? Not fight, one. Not actually do it. You know, like you can't fake it. Get the fuck out of here. That's it's just automatically self policed thing, isn't it? Oh, for sure. You know, may, maybe make a requirement that yeah, you compete at some interval periodically because it'll just be completely blatantly obvious. The, you know? the only thing I can think of is you know the the, the jujitsu that I play at a tournament is not necessarily the jujitsu I play on a Saturday. So maybe I am, you know, I. And I think that's why, you know, I can be good at tournaments and not necessarily be the best guy in the room, or I could sure. be better at guys at some guys at tournaments who, you know, throw up three times and they're, they're so in their heads that, you know, they don't perform, but they're like a thousand times better than me. And when they're relaxed on a Saturday, they run me over like a freight train. Right. Um, but then they're, you know, for whatever reason, they're in their heads, which I get because I used to be there. Um, but you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm there for my reasons. I'm there for the right reasons. I'm there because I, I enjoy the travel. I enjoy the camaraderie. I enjoy seeing people I haven't seen in Mm -hmm, a long time. mm -hmm. You know, master's worlds is one of the most fun things that I'll do all year. And it was real, you know, really sucked last year that there wasn't, well, there was, there was one, but, you Mm -hmm. know, but you know, Brazilians weren't there. And of course, you know, with, with COVID just, it was, it was quote unquote worlds. Yeah, and all the all the all the fun had kind of gotten sucked out of it. So I mean, I didn't go. But what's um, the coolest place you traveled to to compete in anything? Uh, I love Masters Worlds, but I fucking hate Vegas. Ve- yeah. Vegas. So is, that's like the non-answer. That is to the, the non-answer. <laughs> Vegas is gold-plated sadness. I mean, yeah. that was that was the fuck e- Vegas for sure. Yeah, yeah. fuck Vegas. Um, mm. Boston. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love Boston. I've never been. So I just want okay, to No, I love Boston. And, uh, the last time that I competed in Boston, uh, it was the week of the marathon. Like the marathon or the Boston marathon? The Boston marathon. Like, oh, I thought you meant like the one that got bombed. Which is the Boston marathon. I know. But like the year that it. No, 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 oh. no, no, no. Whew. This is after that. No, no. Jesus. Yeah, Thank yeah God. no. And I got blown up and I died. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was not the blow up one. It was, uh, the tournament was over. So the Boston Marathon, I think, was it was on a Sunday or a Monday. So I had competed on a Saturday, and everybody had left. And uh, my <laughs> flight... What? Say that again. I'm sorry. So it was the, it was the day of the marathon. Mm-hmm. But the tournament was on Saturday. Yeah. And I think this was a Sunday. Yeah. So everybody that I had competed with and my friends, everybody had already left okay. during the day. Okay. And I my flight was... <laughs> I follow you now. Sorry, was I inadvertently funny? No, no, I just didn't even fucking follow you. Go ahead. Uh, So I was there because my flight wasn't leaving till eight o'clock, which was kind of on purpose because I wanted to beat around Boston a little bit. You know, I wanted to. What's the point of traveling for a tournament if you don't take? Yeah, I know. I I try to, you know, get get a day in and a day on the outside and the inside. And and I went to the oldest restaurant in the United States, the oldest continuing operating continued operating restaurant in the United States. And I think it's called the Oyster House or something. It's a it's a raw bar and you know and, and it is a block from the finish line. Nice. And so I I'm watching it on TV, you know, yeah. all these people are coming in on the, off the finish line and they're just coming right in the bar like a like a bunch of people are coming right into the bar. And it, it was just really, really funny that, you know, that the first thing you're thinking of as you come off the finish line is, where's the bar? Oh, there's the bar. And so they're coming to the bar and there's this dude, he comes and sits next to me and uh, he became a friend on Facebook. His name's Orlin, Orlin Hopper. And he's a, he's a radiologist and he plops down and, you know, he does a lot of these and he's barely like winded. 
Ugh. And he orders a beer, mm-hmm. and, we, and we start chatting and everything, and uh, it was you know it was a blast. Yeah. Um, one of the I, other, I bet that's a thing. It's got to be you get into Facebook groups or whatever for running those big races, and I guarantee you the it's one its own mini economy that like you want to be where oh. the race ends, and then two, as from a runner's perspective, like where are we going once we cross that finish line. I guarantee you that's like a huge part of the experience. You know, it's got to be. And I, that that to me is like, you know, like the CrossFitters. We, we're, there's a CrossFit gym in Alliance. Mm-hmm. And I, there are a few crossover people. But for the most part, it's like we just walk by each other and look at each other like you're crazy. You know, because you are crazy. Oh, no, you are crazy. Why are your shorts so short? Why do, you, why do your ears look like that? <laughs> Never got them. Same, but I don't try real hard. But I think that not everybody does. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a genetic propensity for or against. I've known a couple, like, quote-unquote, decorated white belts who are already bumping into it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, clearly you're just Yeah, Pat doesn't have them either. And, 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 you know, Lord knows that I've certainly had the impacts to do it. Sure, sure. Um, But Nothing, huh? Yeah, no, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of want (laughs) There is that badge of honor bullshit. It kind of feels like a badge of honor a little bit. Which is bullshit, but also you know it's not like wear I can my, wear my ACL ears. scars on the outside, or, right? Right. That's yeah. just not nearly as cool. It is that like more and more known, uh, like indicator to not fuck with me too. Oh, and that's then, like Google advice. You know, they have like a, the Google advice, the little pieces of advice pop up, and mm. one of them is if you're about to get in a fight with somebody and they have cauliflower ears, walk away. Yeah, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. More than likely, a wrestler, and you're about to go flying. But I'm a widow guy, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. I'm not dangerous. <laughs> what are the uh, belt ranks in judo? Um, as far as... They might have changed them when I wasn't looking. Sure. Uh, as far as you know. Well, I, kn- okay, I know that there are some junior ranks that we didn't do when, like when I was in judo. You know, back when there was one color gi and it wasn't white. Yeah. Um, they made it kind of more beginner-friendly since then or kid-friendly yeah, since then. Yeah, maybe. Sure. I think like there was no such thing as a blue belt. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and there was no like stripes and things like that, but I know that they've done some stuff like that. And, and, you know, a thousand years ago in my day, it was white, yellow, orange, green, brown, 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 black. So I say brown, 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 black, because it's actually a countdown to black belt. So white belt is the sixth cue. So white to brown <laughs> is a Q rank. Okay. K-Y-U, and then uh-huh. Don ranks are black belt and above. So you go six, five, four, three, two, one, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. So white belt. It's like counting up from negative six. Yeah, pretty much. In a way, okay. Yes, because you're... you're Getting to zero and then counting, okay. So white, <laughs> yeah, okay. Is there a better way for me to say that? Was it? I did I say it? I have no idea. In a I'm a special brand of stupid too, okay, so well, I was just trying to pitch it my own way. So it's it's yeah. So it's a it's a countdown, you know, a countdown to, to blast off to being a black belt. And, sure, uh, got it. Um, you third degree brown belt would be uh, San Q, and then uh, Ni Q, and then EQ. EQ being the first, and then you test for black belt. And then it starts going up. It will start going up if you, you know, 
play the political games and kiss well, yeah. the right asses yeah, and yeah. do the right kind. A little bit of that. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, how much, how, how helpful was all that experience switching to jujitsu years later? How useful was my judo? Yes, that question. But also the question, how much less did starting jujitsu suck with all your years of judo coming into it? Like, I was a useless blob. Retraction. I am a useless blob, and in the very beginning, good God, man, use my legs to do stuff, like to reach and grab. You know, I mean, it was all so incredibly foreign. I, I, I will not pretend to go into the history of judo, especially because there's, like, the Gracie version. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and but nobody really, I mean, disagrees that, for the most part, a large part of it came from judo. It just wasn't called judo at the time. It's called Kano yeah. Jiu-Jitsu. Right. So we have much more in common than we don't. I mean, Sankaku Jime is a triangle choke, okay? The technique and the mechanics of the triangle choke are, are no different, whether it's it being done with judo or being done with jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. However, um, jiu-jitsu has 37,000 ways to get into it. And judo, for the most part, they teach the triangle choke, but it's not like they spend a lot of time, you know, with entries and with combinations and with all the other aspects of it. But it's not like I wasn't, when I started jujitsu, I, I knew a triangle choke. I knew a cross body arm lock. I knew, you know, all the different kinds of collar chokes and naked, rear naked chokes and all that stuff. I mean, I, I knew all that. So I didn't have to learn that. I mean, I knew the mechanics of a choke. I had a pretty good base. So yeah, I felt tremendously comfortable but i also felt you know that there was certainly a, a a sharp strike to my ego because i thought i was good on the ground and i you know and i was not i mean well you were within the confines of competitive within the, judo yeah within the judo community I, yeah. I, I i was decent um but then again in the judo community i wasn't allowed to do the same choke twice so <laughs> yeah fair point so the the is the you said essentially that 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 triangle choke is taught one way with like one or two means of getting there compared to the ocean that is the triangle choke in jujitsu yeah. is that a result of the modern day sport of jujitsu yeah, yeah for sure it like like theoretically in the past or on a different track it would have continued to expand and and whatever but the because it's an olympic sport there's a rule set that trickles all the way down it ends up being a diluted version well, most most Brazilian jiu-jitsu players have sophisticated standing because, I mean, judo is huge in Brazil, so a lot of them took judo. So they, mm-hmm. you know, they know judo through throws, and they then they're good, and they're, it's part of their game. Um, in the United States, I mean, there is, I think there's a real lack of standing technique. I think that there should be, you know, you start standing in jiu-jitsu, you do start standing. I mean, yeah, I guess a lot of mm-hmm. people pull guard or whatever, or yeah, scooting yeah. around. But um, we I, both we both walked over here to slap hands originally. That was standing. That's right. You know, and we're fighting, so we're going to end up on the ground. But um, and and maybe this is just the judo guy talking, but sure. it would be nice to see more standing sophistication um, yeah. because I think it is it is a part of jujitsu. Um, and it would be nice. And do, maybe do you think that could could circle back to judo as it stands? Where like, because I mean, jujitsu. If I show up and start going for double leg takedowns and bringing wrestling skills into it, you can just tell by the starting postures compared to the starting posture of judo. Given the growth and explosion of jujitsu, you think 
if there was more sophisticated standing work demonstrated at a across any competitive level that that influence could pull back around and sort of re-diversify and kind of save some of the missteps in judo? Um, if there were people who were open to it, were listening, mm-hmm. but the people who are controlling it sure. are not listening to you or me, right? you know, and the political game would, would quaff currently anyway, quaff that sort of talk if they were open to that they wouldn't have done that in the first place you know yeah. they, they, they would have made those changes in the first place to they would have just let it devolve and that's why i give jujitsu a lot of credit because they don't at least at this point they're not getting in the way they're letting you know they're evolving they're letting things happen they're letting things take their natural course um they're not messing with the ecosystem the, it would have been fine you know <laughs> it's like when i was a kid my dad used to say uh when people would say, oh, you know, you're destroying the earth, or you're going to destroy the earth. My dad's like, oh, no, we're not destroying the earth. We're destroying ourselves. The earth will heal when we're gone. Mm, yeah, man, I mean. <laughs> and you and I will die before the earth will. Well, then, and that's Humanity, right. Humanity, uh, uh, yeah, but probably, yeah. yeah. But, but, but the point is, is that, you know, it'll get rid of us, and then it'll, it'll start the process of healing. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. Things would have naturally evolved. And I mean, and people say the same shit all the time. They say it in jujitsu too. It's like, oh, you know, everybody's doing this thing that they're that is popular right now, and oh, we better you know make a rule to to stop that or make a rule to limit it or whatever. But they don't, and it goes away, and or or people get people catch up, catch up exactly. The game gets better. Good. So right. let it do that. But but they didn't. Um, I, I would just love it if they could just be merge and be one martial art. And, yeah. you know, you get more, I think that you should get more points for a throw. I mean, in my, my, and, and that is my bias to judo opinion. Sure. But I think that if you get a throw, I think it should be worth more than two points. But I guess my instinct, not knowing shit about any of it, is, you know, if you and I were in an altercation and I tackled you to the ground. Or I threw your bitch ass to the ground. Hmm. Which one of those is going to have a bigger impact? Depends and, on the throw. Absolutely, but you know what I'm you know yeah. what I'm picturing when I say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The double leg can be nasty as hell too, right? You, you, could, you could get into details, but by and large, landing versus falling, you get more points for making that bitch fly. Hey, listen, there, there is absolutely no question that the two motorcycles accidents that I've had would have been worse had I not brake falled and wore and wore. Did you roll out of some, some, uh, motorcycle? Uh, when crashes? I was at, I, when I was at Gracie Baja, I was riding with a guy named Matt Merritt. He was behind me. We were down at the river bottom and uh, I went into this turn and I ended up laying the bike down and it high sided. Are you a rider? Are you familiar with that? Term? Zero. Tell me what that means. Okay. High siding is when you lay a bike down and you go to your side, you, if you're holding onto the steering, you'll turn the steering to the right. And when you turn the steering to the right, it will catch the tire and pop the bike up, back up in the air. Mm. And if you're holding on, <laughs> it will throw you up in mm-hmm. the air too. Mm-hmm. So that's high siding. So literally, you know. It's, it's judo. Yeah, it, you're it, being it thrown. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, you lay the bike down, you turn the steering and it just goes pop and just throws you up in the air. Wow. And so it threw me up in the air and he said that I, you know, he was watching from behind. He says that I rotated I slapped the mat, which was the the asphalt, yeah. and then I slid thirty feet into a guardrail. Sure, and they were. But picking. because of that, what was the four levels? Right, you're in that fourth level for trying to dissipate that force. You just sort of did it instinctually. I 
I did. I, you know, I, who knows, you know, how much worse it would have been, but, uh, I, other than some serious road rash. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. They were, they were picking it out of me for like three hours in the ER, picking the oh gravel out of me. God. So apparently when that happens, you actually get dirt blisters like a blood blister, but it's filled with sand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like they pop it and sand comes out. Ugh. Yeah. So that, that was, don't even tell me about the other one. No, tell me about the other one. Um, yeah, actually that was the worst one. The other one was oh, just, sure. a, you know, girl, uh, I was, I was down in, in Florida. I was coming off a bridge and, um, she was texting and she cut in front of me and I laid it down. Mm. And that one though, I hit my head and you know, I hit my head so fucking hard. There's no question. I'd have been deader and shit. Without the helmet. Without the helmet. I cracked a carbon fiber Kevlar helmet. That that rung my bell. That really rung my bell. Yeah, I'm sure. But then, but but it didn't ring my bell to such an extent that I didn't immediately pop up so that I wouldn't get hit by the car behind me. Good instincts. Yeah, no, I, I popped right up because I was like, okay, you're going down. I went down and then I like hit my head and then I immediately got up and <laughs> jumped over to this guardrail, this concrete guardrail because the other car was coming. Yeah, odds are there's a second douchebag looking at their phone while they're driving, so yeah. get the hell out of the way. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have um, ER privileges anymore, so my, my wife will not. I'd have to Uber. Um, my wife will not <laughs> take me to the ER anymore. I was like, ER um, privileges? What the hell is that? Oh, Yeah, God, that's rides. Right. So I don't get a ride anymore. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, it was really funny. Well, not funny, but um, yeah. one of my uh, ACL, I, my, I think my third one, I was waiting to, to get the surgery and I was going through rehab prior to the surgery, but I had what's called a bucket handled meniscus. And, um, so it can lock out and it would lock out doing the most like innocuous things. Uh, one time it locked out and I was tightening the post on a battery terminal on my tractor and I just kind of like rotated my body a little bit and it just, it locked out and it locked out bent. So like I couldn't straighten it. Mm-hmm. So I I had to, to sit on the ground and I had to put my heel I, I put my heel on the on the tractor, on the side of the tractor by the seat, and then push down on my mm. knee to pop it back. I knew and you were gonna say that. Do you, do you remember uh, Lethal Weapon with like the shoulder where he would pop his shoulder back? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um <laughs> it, it's like throwing like it, you're in a tremendous amount of pain while it's locked out. Yeah. And then when you pop it back, it's even more pain. I mean, <laughs> tears are... This is not better. No, it's not better. Tears are just are just rolling down your right. cheeks. And then it's like, you know, throwing up. I mean, immediately you're... Oh, I mean, it's almost... You're almost coming. It feels so good <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to pop it back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, but that happened a couple of times before, you know, before I got the surgery. Right. And... Uh, Yikes. No bueno. Just because you were waiting? Yeah, well, because, oh. because this thing was... You know, it had this flap of meniscus that was yeah, yeah. was locking internally until they could go in and and you know carve away the 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 detritus. Don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, or get make sure you have a ride. Yep. Because like that one, after I popped it back in, I'm like, I think I better go to the ER. And my wife's like, I'm 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 done. I'm done with this shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's right. No, she yeah. is right. She's right. Because there's like there's a picture of I have a picture of me getting all of the gravel picked out of me in the ER. Uh, and there's my wife like sitting there with one of my daughters asleep up against the wall. It's like mm-hmm, two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We could be home sleeping. and we're dealing with this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So no, she should, she should be sainted, but, but she has her thing. Her thing is horses, uh, you know, and I, 
I support that habit, so that gets yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. There's some risk there too. Oh, she got kicked. Uh huh. Really? Yeah, she did. Some, she she did something stupid. She got pissed at Joe, who's kind of a butthead, and and she slapped his Joe's ass. Joe's a horse. Joe's a horse. Okay, otherwise, the story was going to sound weird. Let's no. just make sure Joe's a horse. Well, <laughs> as far as I know, slapping asses. Uh, yeah, she she slapped Joe's ass, and and uh, she was standing behind him, and and she's pretty lucky that she was not direct. I mean, it was more of a graze than a full on, sure. but she had a nice little, you know. Mm-hmm. Horseshoe mark right, right right on her upper chest right under wow. her, under her clavicle, and uh, now I've seen and I've seen this a thousand times through judo when people get like the first time they really get the wind knocked out of them mm-hmm. until you get used to it and when you hit your diaphragm and all of your air just is expelled like little kids yeah they don't breathe back in you know like they're like for a second it's like okay now take a breath yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay keep doing that normal thing yeah it's it's time it's time to to suck some air in it it is a feeling that's like panic attack induced oh you're drowning you just oh my god yeah and and it's like when i teach judo it's it's sooner or later it's going to happen to everybody where they're going to take a fall, fall where they really hit their diaphragm and they blow out all their air it's like okay breathe and it's you know now I don't even think about it, and it's and it's it's pretty cool that I can take the falls that I can still take even on jujitsu mats because jujitsu mats are usually one and a half inches. Right. They don't. They're not with you know sub floors. They're not with uh, spring loaded floors. Well, and it speaks to the motorcycle accidents. Like even in a really high force situation, I'm going to do something that's going to help me hopefully, and then theoretically like be able to deal with the impact the the feeling of that impact it's the first conditioned response you get in judo is is the break fall yeah you know doing it properly and and everybody i think at some point in time who's done it has a story in fact i saw an article in a a mountain biking uh magazine about you know take a little judo to learn a break fall if you Hmm. make if you take that forward fall where the front wheel hits a rock and you go ass over tea kettle it's a you know know how to roll out of it no 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 judo break fall you're guaranteed to go that way when you do you know, it's a win. Decide to lose yeah, that bike. So once, it's a win. Yeah, that's so, interesting. So it is, and 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 funny thing is, is that the very very first time, and I remember the first time that I took a fall, and I was probably around thirteen years old, and I was wheeling my bike out of the garage, and the kickstand was down, my ten speed. Mm-hmm. So what happens when the pedal hits the kickstand? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so the bike mm-hmm. came to a sudden stop, yep. and I lost my balance, and I went forward, and I ended up doing a roll fall into the grass, and I was just like. Ta-da, you know, nobody was there to watch yeah. or clap. And I was like, oh, right. shit, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Where I remember going over the handlebars in high school even and completely eating asphalt, just face and shoulder. And yeah, there's no instinct to Is roll Is it that through. standard uh, chin? Everybody's no, got that it, chin it, scar? It was, yeah, there's something in there under the beard somewhere, but it was definitely mostly just like just getting splatted right into place, you know, and a lot of shoulder scraping and stuff like that. Zero, zero roll instinct. The body does not fall intuitively correctly. So your intuitive way to fall is completely to catch wrong. yourself, yeah. Yeah, you Land. Stick, stick, your, stick your hands behind your back with your wrists. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, especially as big as a lot of people are. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. take a couple couple hundred pounds. Nice slip on ice, straight back. You know, you were asking about like dangerous, like dangerous falls, mm-hmm. dangerous throws. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most dangerous throw might not be the one you think it is. Okay, because like hip throws, hip throws are fine. 
I mean, you can control somebody's descent. They're going to land on their side. They're probably not going to land on their back. Yeah. They're most likely not going to hit their head. Yeah. Sort um, of easy to roll through it to get a good slap, even if you're new, right? Even if they don't know how to fall at all. I mean, they're just going to kind of land on their yeah. side, maybe their shoulder, you know, right, whatever. Right, but right. It's, it's really not going to be so bad. Um, if you throw somebody with like an Osota Gary, you throw them straight back where they fall straight backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to hit the back of their head and they're going to die. <laughs> Write that one down. So, I mean, just like, to make sure to never in, do in it the again. The pantheon of spots that you can <laughs> yeah, hit yeah. your cranium, you, you can hit in the front. Like, there's a lot of places that you can hit in the front, but you know, you got a death button back here. Yeah. If you hit, if you hit the back, that old brain is down there somewhere. Yeah. Right. So that's not good. And, and also to Gary, I mean, the, the rear brake fall, that would require a rear brake fall. And, um, you know, no one's instinct is to go with it, slap the ground and tuck your chin, tuck your you chin, just in, splat. You know, arch your back, tuck your chin in. No head snaps back. Yep. And, and it, you know, you've got that kind of, uh, trebuchet effect with your head you right know, velocity getting, increases yeah, velocity increases and whack um so that's that's not good and um <laughs> and, I, and i can tell you just how not good it is um when my first year of college my my judo school was kind of imploding at the time the ymca had closed down in cape coral mm-hmm. and one of the other black belts he was friends with this guy his name was Jimmy, and he was friends with this guy, Jamie. And and we used to all hang out together and party together in high school. And Jamie was kind of an accidental friend because he was a friend of Jimmy's. And I, I never – Jamie was big into Taekwondo, and he was really good. Him and his brother were just a couple of ass kickers. And, you know, their dad was this Vietnam vet who, who was a single parent who raised his kids to just be a couple of rock eaters. And they were, and they would start fights and all this shit. And uh, I hung around with Jamie only because – he hung around with Jimmy, but it wouldn't, he wouldn't have been my choice. In fact, I took exception to one time he was teaching some kids some chokes, and you know he wanted to immediately square off with me. And like, <laughs> well, I go to college. Neither one of them went to college, and I was supposed to come back. I was only two and a half hours away. I was in North Florida, and this was down in, in, in Fort Myers. I was in north of Tampa, and I was supposed to come down, and, and we were going to go to some parties and stuff. Well, they went to this bar, and... Jamie starts, you know, hitting on this dude's girlfriend. And the dude takes exception. And Jamie just hits him. I I think he punched him. I don't think he kicked him. I think he punched him in the face. The guy falls backward, hits his head, and dies. Mm. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, I think he ended up with like seven years for manslaughter or something like that. Yeah, I bet. Um, But, yeah. That sucks. I mean, all around. It fucking happened. Jesus. Yeah. You know what my next question is, though, right? Mm. You ever been in a fight? Real fight? Um, I was really surprised by Pat Worley's answer to that. Yeah, I remember the story. Yeah. Well, and just you could tell he was sorting through the files. Just a rough and tumble kid kind of thing, right? Yeah, I... I I don't, you know, I've I've never been in like a real fist fight since I started training. Good, you Good know, for you. I got in some. I, I've avoided a few fights, and I've been defensive with some people. Like I, I the the, the immediate one that comes to mind is uh, somebody, some really really drunk guy took a swing at me. I was probably in my early twenties, 
And it was just one of these like slow motion, sloppy roundhouse thingies that, <laughs> I mean, I'm not particularly fast, but I could just like feel myself moving away from yeah, it knowing yeah, that, yeah. you know, I was going to clear it really fast. And, um, all I did was I cupped my hand and I popped him on his ear hmm. and his entire world, right. you know, came apart. Let's I mean, throw the equilibrium. Yeah. He dropped to his knees. I thought he was going to puke. Right. Um, and that was the end of that. <laughs> That's the best. That's the best way for the the an answer to that question to go. I get nervous when people are like light up, like yeah. Let me tell you, eh, don't get into fights. You know, and it's per, it's per the previous story, right? Like it can go bad real quick. I think that um, you know, I was probably fortunate because I because I definitely when I was eighteen, you know, I was not. And, and anybody who knows me will really laugh when I say I'm not as I was not as centered as I am now, which is hilarious because I'm really not that centered. Now. Sure. Um, but, but it was worse. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It was, it was a lot worse. And, and, you know, that goes back to the whole kind of tournament thing. Um, there was probably a lot that I, I felt that I have to prove and, and I do not, you know, honestly, I do not have any of that now. People, I mean, everybody, I'm pretty transparent. I mean, you can see my tournament record. You can, everybody knows, you know, you can know how good or how not good I am. So there's not really going to be a lot of a mystery to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody loses and everybody wins. And 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 that's certainly not a definition of anything, especially if, like we were talking about before, that you could work your ass off for a bronze medal. Or I, I did a tournament in Miami where I showed up and there was supposed to be a few pe- like three people in my division. Nobody showed up except one guy and he came up to me and said, I tore my ACL three days ago. Um, can we just walk out on the mat and I'm going to, you know, just forfeit the match and I want to get my points. Right. So I ended up getting a gold in both divisions and then you know, I'm sponsored by, by Fuji and I'm sponsored by impact mouth guards and impacts like, Oh, you know, oh well, congratulations. You're going to put, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to post. I can't post it. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to post that. I got two free gold medals. Right. Now the really funny part of all this mm-hmm. and, and Pat actually gave me a, a good pep talk about that because I, <laughs> it, it really bugged me. And, and Pat's like, you know, you got nothing, that should bug you about that. He's like, you did everything you were supposed to do. You made weight. You showed up. You were there to fight. You know, this is this is the nature of things. And you, you can't help who didn't show up. No, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know what we do without Pat. He's he's like, he's the, he's the voice of reason. And so it was it was good to hear that. And you know, I got I got over myself about it. But the real funny thing is, is that we we go down to Miami. Miami is a lot of fun. Because when we go down to Miami, we fly into Fort Myers, and and my I still have a lot of friends, and and my mom lives in Fort Myers, so we stay there. Then we drive over, take the Alligator Alley, we drive over to Miami, we fight, go get some Cuban breakfast, and then come back to Fort Myers, maybe do some fishing or whatever. So sure. it's a it's the, a really good time, the full Florida experience. Yeah, and so that, extent, you know, yeah. it's like who's gonna who's gonna come to the Florida to the Miami thing? So we we drive back to Fort Myers, and uh, I think we went out that night. And we came back and I see my mom and she's walking back to the house from the neighbor's house and she's got my two fake gold medals. And uh, <laughs> I go, mom, what you doing? Hold on, fake gold medals? Well, because I didn't have any fights. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> and uh, The neighbors my- don't know you didn't have any fights. And apparently they never will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I want to actually go over and tell them myself because I, I kind of hated it. But I said, I said, mom, what are you doing? She's like, well, you know, I... I'm showing your medals. And I'm like, well, did you tell them that I didn't have any fights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she missed that part. They don't need to know. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. It's more it's more fun that way. For know? for her. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a, a different set of rules for mom. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Mom, mom, yeah, absolutely. Mom definitely, you know, uses her own. <laughs> and everybody loves coming down because, like, the stories of mom are legendary. So people want to come down and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I've heard about your mom. Because mm-hmm. my mom will go, are, are you guys going out? Yeah, my mom's 85. Are you guys mm-hmm. going out? Yeah. Okay, well, you might want to tinkle before you leave. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> She's fucking right. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, what's your favorite martial arts movie? Fight movie. How about that? Um, Not necessarily strictly martial arts, but fighting. You referenced one earlier that I've never seen. I've never seen uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, what do you call which one? The hell's that movie? Keanu Reeves. You referenced it earlier. Oh, John Wick. I've never seen it. It was like three of them. He did, and he's a blue belt, so he, I mean, he does quite a lot of. Well, and he he does legit like tactical firearms training stuff too. Yeah. So it's not just like a dude sort yeah. of mimicking no, what he's been told. And there's some judo in there, and yeah, that's I enjoy that. Um, probably the, the worst one. I know that wasn't. The <laughs> that's the, maybe a good way to start. The worst one. Uh, and you might even have to look this up and just, it's like a train wreck. So you might actually have to see it. It's called a Gymkata. Oh, I'm in. Okay. So it sounds amazing. So it's, it's this guy who was a, an eighties, uh, Olympic gymnastics. And I can't even remember the name of the dude, but he knew no martial arts, but he was Olympic, an Olympic gymnast, Kurt something. I think it was. Oh man, this sounds familiar. Yeah. And he, he, I'm a huge Mystery Science Theater 3000 oh fan and Rift Tracks fan. So, I mean, so odds are I've seen it because of that. This you know? is the worst. And and there is a scene where he's in a fight and he basically fights them from a, like the pommel horse, but it's a it's a, a stump oh with, that God. has two convenient hands. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he just like <laughs> is kicking everybody while he's pommel horsing. Oh, that's fucking yeah, awesome. Jim, Jim Kata. Spell it. G Y M. Okay, Jim, Jim. Okay, yeah. So gymnastics and kata being. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's similar. Similar vein. There's you ever see Samurai Cop? Oh no, but it it's probably more famous now because it got riff tracks. The Mystery Science Theater crowd, you know, went and did it. But it is so bad, and there's a couple of kicks here and there. It's one of those you get to the so many of the movies they they riff on that show. If you like actually watch the movie, pay attention, not just laugh at their jokes, you go, what the hell is it called that for? Like so often, they years the ago, they it? would make movies. Samurai Cop. Oh, I'm in. It's so good. And I, I would honestly say go for the Riff Tracks version, the Mr. Science Theater version. Oh, wait. Oh, I think I might change my answer. Okay, do it. Let's go. Uh, uh, Kung Fu Soccer. Kung Fu Soccer. Oh, man. I'm oh, gonna, Kung I'm Fu Write soccer. these down before I head oh, out. Oh, God. Kung Fu Soccer is so... I'm going to literally make a note right now. Yeah, Kung Fu Soccer is, uh, I mean, there, there's... <laughs> what a ridiculous idea. Yeah, so, no, so you know, these, these Kung Fu, basically this Kung Fu guy has to talk these other masters into being part of his soccer team. And they, you know, and it's all like... Uh, what? Well, it's all, um, they're speaking Chinese, so it's all... Uh, subtitled, subtitled yeah, yeah. Subtitled, and, you know, they've got great voices, of course. And, right, yeah. You know, and they're all a bunch of, they're like old... But they all have like these specific kung fu skills that they, you know, one guy can generate tornadoes. And, oh my god! And uh, you know, he generates tornadoes and like he blows off the other team's clothes and like they're bare ass and it's just, <laughs> you know, and it's so, it's so funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. So the worse a movie, the more I like it. 
Jim Cotta isn't unintentionally funny. Just kind of like Top Gun is now unintentionally funny. Because like I can't watch like Top Gun now. Top Gun is, is I mean, it's the most homoerotic movie there yeah, it's is. It's got its moments, yeah. Now. That opening, is it opening scene where it's a volleyball? No, that's, that's uh, kind of midway. I okay. shouldn't know this automatically. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and hey, do your thing. I, you know, no, no hate over here. That's cool. But also, like, <laughs> did we take this seriously at the time? Which no, is the well, main point, the point. You know, no, yeah. no, no. I'm not being homophobic. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. You know, they they all look fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The the riff tracks. Speaking of of Top Gun, fantastic. If you can find it, oh, where, yeah. where they're sitting there ripping on it. Yeah. Well, you know this the the scene where they're all in the locker room. You know, and and. <laughs> And Val Kilmer is like gnashing his teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm actually allergic to that movie because it's so bad. And we thought it was so cool. I mean, Not, at the time. Yeah, I wasn't there at the time. I was a kid. And I'm younger than you. Yes. I I think, I don't know if you listened to uh, TJ Kreitzer, the We Defy episode of this when I chatted with him, but he's in he's a pilot it's a fighter pilot so like that's like in his individual and life plan lore that you like top gun you were excited they were making a second one you know and i just kind of held my tongue that whole part of the conversation i was like that movie's terrible i you I just gave it. me the perfect segue mm-hmm. um, mentioning tj so uh this morning i i found out that i i am was accepted as an ambassador for We Defy. Sweet, good for you. So, thank you, Alex Jeffries and TJ, and uh, I bumped into him in Chicago. Alex Jeffries. Alex Jeffries. AJ Anderson. What? Oh, that's a, I, I just is that missed. his name? Who, who's Alex? No, Jeffries? Alex Jeffries is a girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know Alex. Okay. So, Alex is uh, she's head of the um, the ambassador acceptance. So, I, oh, cool, I had cool. To yeah, inter- I didn't know. Interview with her, and I'm just like. Wow, you guys, your standards are are shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in seriously. <laughs> I'm like, did you guys do a background check? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but no, I am I am incredibly proud of that and, and incredibly honored. And thank you, Alex, and thank you, TJ. Um, it's huge. It's something that I, I I am not a veteran, but it's something that I I don't think I have to be a veteran to completely believe in it. Um, I do understand the power of jujitsu, so. Well, and the power of giving a shit and contributing to a cause greater than yourself, which is what something like that is. Like, oh, you guys are doing good stuff. Cool. Let me do a small piece to help. I, I keep Love telling it. my wife that's, that's, that I'm going to go to heaven. And she's like, that's not how it works. And I'm like, look, I'm a sponsored athlete. And I got, <laughs> and I got my $7 um, ordination from online. I'm going to heaven. That's not how it works. So, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, prove it. <laughs> prove it. What else, Alex? Um, <laughs> you got actual notes. I love it, man. It's fantastic. You're more prepared for this than I am, which, oh, it's, is, it's, which is brilliant. Don't, yeah, don't give me too much credit. It's three words. It's n- knocking people out in injuries. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, those were the notes. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, did I say enough about judo? I don't know. I have known nothing about it. It's all new to me. Or any other inside the actor studio questions that you ask? Like the, the, the three? Oh, what's your I, sh- I, should, I should do it. What is he, your favorite curse word? My wife's his motherfucker. Um, it's not what I asked you. Yeah, I know. I, well, I just I, it's I, like when my wife's vegan, so I'm kind of mostly vegan too. That kind of deal. I, I, yeah, it, it just gives me time to think because I immediately knows hers, know hers. She, yeah. She's, you know, used that one and thrown a shoe at me. Um, God, I mean, I love. I fuck is great. There's just so many good options. Yeah, you know what? What I will say is that I twat, love twat waffle. 
Oh, I do like twat waffle. I, I like fuckery. Fuckery. Fuckery is, is top three. Fuckery is For nice. sure. You know, yeah. yeah, shit show is good. But I mean, I like anything that has like a little bit of, you know, plot to it. I mean, mm-hmm. because my, my mother is Cuban, my father is Armenian. And like, if, if they curse at you in Spanish, it's, it's a narrative, man. It's got, it's got a plot line. It's got characters. I mean, it's not just, it's not just simple. It's, there's a lot more to it. It's a continuing series. This is not yeah. a one episode thing. Oh, you know, my, my sweet little grandma who, you know, her English was not so great. And when I learned the curse words, because of course that's the first thing you learn, um, and I realized some of the shit that, that came out of her, her mouth, it was un- unbelievable. I mean, you know, she'd burn her hand, she'd be like, oh, coño su madre, which, you know, means your mother's cunt. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's high test coming, you know, coming from a, a little old. Nana, what'd yeah. you say? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's good stuff for sure. I, I, I think yeah, I'm going to go with fuckery. I, I do yeah, like that's fuckery. a good one. Yeah. And I think fuckery has like lately, especially with like the things that have been going on with USJ and, and mm-hmm. I've been using it a lot lately. Mm-hmm. There's fuckery afoot. There's fuckery afoot. afoot. Yeah. Yes. The alliteration goes a long way. You, you do have to connect those two. So there's fuckery afoot. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, overall, if we're wrapping up the whole kind of judo thing, I don't know. I do hope that things come full circle and that that things self-correct and the, the ecosystem, you know, comes back to whatever. And I don't know, you know, what it, what, what it ever was. I mean, what it was, was that things kind of naturally uh, corrected themselves and they're not going to do that as long as they're a bureaucracy, but maybe the bigger picture is that jujitsu, not even jujitsu, but fighting. Like if you see the judo stuff that happens in the PFL and the UFC, and there's just those little hints. You know, it's like the, when people first started going for leg locks and stuff. People were like, wait a minute. Holy shit. Oh, the we, fact that people know we what Uchimata figure is. These out. Like somebody will say Uchimata in UFC and like like people will know what Uchimata is. Yeah. And and it, it but it'll be that next little new thing that people are doing, which hasn't been true for most of them, right? It's just things that sort of went under the radar for some period of time and came back to prominence or popularity. You know, so the popularity of fighting in general and people looking for an edge will eventually, you know, pull it back to the fore. Yeah, I hope so. I I like the direction that jujitsu is going in. I like what I'm doing now. Um, I teach once a week at Alliance Judo. I teach on Fridays. And uh, yeah, that's so. What do you you teach? Judo? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I teach. Just making sure. I'm not qualified. If you're a purple belt instructor, I don't know. No. <laughs> no, I, I did actually just take the Alliance um, instructor course, which has been which has been great um, and a lot of fun. In fact, Damon asked me if I wanted to do an intro tonight, and I'm like, well, I think I'm going to be drinking. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. But sure, I'll, I'll be there. It'd be a hell of an intro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do. I, I'm just happy with jujitsu. I'm, I'm happy with where I am in jujitsu. I'm enjoying the, the journey a tremendous amount. And all the people that I do it with, and you know, and, and as far as like a clientele, I mean, I've done pretty much everybody's website and there've been lots of logos and and things like that. So that's you know, I'm having fun. I'm doing things that are fun. Um, so yeah, life life is good. Uh, don't get hurt. Um, keep being able to go and and train and go and do tournaments and and uh, excited with what's going to happen with We Defy and. In the future. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Thanks, brother.
Well, thank you, man. This has been a blast. Thanks for yeah, having me. Not so bad. I'm, I'm glad that you were hard up for finding people that you picked me. <laughs> me too. <laughs>